The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words. Well, how about this rumor that you are really hired, Mr. Stark? Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. After the holiday break. Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And I hope everyone had a great and happy holiday. If you um, observed the Turkey Day, hopefully you're full and stress-free. <laughs> after all of that and if you did not um, celebrate hope you had a good time off or whatever however you celebrate so, uh, but we are back and uh, I am your host for tonight Rodicat. you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter you can also find me at NewsNoisNeed on Twitter you can also find me at New, uh, well, NewsNoisNeed Reddit and you can also find me at uh, CB Caps on Instagram <laughs> And that smooth jazz voice that you just heard. Wait a second. Uh, you know what we didn't play? <laughs> he thought I forgot. I was just going to try to scroll, kind of crawl over that. Be to be really honest. So, um, but apparently the, the fast fingers of one uh, smooth jazz voice, agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, forgive me. My throat is a little bit under the weather, so I'm definitely coming at you guys with the morning voice. So, oh, sorry. No, 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 you're good. Do not adjust your your internets because that is exactly how he's going to sound tonight. Exactly, I'm going to sound like this the entire night. So, so, and I know a couple of people who already like his voice is probably going to be like, "Ooh." <laughs> so yes, your cards and letters. I'm sure you can ring out your panties. Oh um, yeah, there you go. Throw your panties <laughs> on the stage. I'm kidding. That's that's. that's <laughs> I guarantee you, there's probably at least one or two people to that's you. Um, maybe I don't know, <laughs> but anyway, hey, you know, the, this this is what it is, folks. We are back after the uh, Thanksgiving, not with us, um, unfortunately, but you know, hey, they got things to do, I think. I hope, um, one PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network.com, and his umbrella sites therein, <laughs> and the Osiris of this ish, huh. I'm sorry, I just looked at your notes for a second. That's, um, anyway, one uh, TMDOGG98 on Twitter, the Click Nation on Twitter. That's the KLIQNATION and the ClickNation.com. Uh, CB Cron, which is the 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 um the account, the Twitter account for this year's show. And of course, comic book resources was over there, right in his face off, burning the midnight oil. <laughs> So I'm sure because I think he was pretty much busting it down uh, during the holidays too, from what I was seeing. Uh, yeah, yeah, about over the last week, so mm-hmm. so good on that dude. We missed that dude. We missed both of those dudes. Let's face it. But yes. 
but they do contribute so they are they do they do uh you know let us know what they're reading it's true and we will hopefully get them back in uh because we are vastly and fastly coming to the end of the year and therefore our end of the year show um which you we usually do after the beginning of the year right <laughs> should be forthcoming at that right. point it's just too hard to fit in with the holiday schedule so well yeah and it's probably better to do a year in show after the the year year ends right anyway in a lot of cases go figure that's just well, it's more like a year in slash new year show yeah basically yeah actually we have actually had it on a weekend uh, on new year's uh once or twice so that's that's apt but in the meantime uh we are here with not just one but two weeks worth of books yes um but don't worry because we we already took the liberty of kind of paring down our lists and checked them twice absolutely uh, so we will start with last week's books um with actually we forgot to totally forgot the um i think it was because we have so many books to talk about um yeah, that, but we've totally uh, forgot to talk about what we're gonna start with sure let's just take a quick <laughs> peek at roddy cat's books from last week um we can start with um you want to do the x books sure yeah let's do that all right all right so uh, i guess we'll start with what x force we can start with x force that's fine yeah that works um right, because, so, oh, i don't know if you you've continued to do, to do this but i can do this thing where i'm just starting to read them whenever or not whenever but out of the reading order because i have not been right, i have not been sticking to the reading order myself yeah because i don't i don't really think they've been i think that's just sticking on it right i was about to say i i honestly think that's a release order just to get, let people know that i mean it is basically out, yeah. i don't know that these books are coming out um on a regular basis and other than the announcement about uh x-men uh being slightly delayed only slightly delayed not watchmen delayed <laughs> you know oh so, yeah we, we'll have to mention that later on right so x you know so x-force number two is out this week and we are following uh you know in the direct aftermath of the events of the cliffhanger ending in x-force number one mm-hmm. and I guess it's appropriate to spoil it now because we're an issue later. Yeah, it's been. But I'll ring the bell just because it'll get the the discussion rolling. Yeah. So here we go. Spoiler bell. If you have not yet read X Force number one in three, two, one. Oh, wow. They just left that man's body just sitting out there like that, huh? Right. I mean, this is the immediate aftermath. You know, I know, but there was like, wait, come on. They, you know, they could have put them somewhere or something. It's just like, no, just everybody gathered. So we did not know Professor Xavier was, um, he got got, was the target of a, an assassination yeah. attempt on the island that apparently went off without, with, with less of a hitch. So X Force number two, they are, I guess this is Magneto kind of, uh, one rallying the troops and taking to taking over like one in one respect and getting and this is also every all of the investigation and therein after that starting up from the right. In the right this is Cohen CSI basically so, uh as as Roddy Cat said uh you know Magneto's rallying the troops at the beginning of the issue but the bulk of the issue is um is uh um focuses upon the investigation and what they're able to figure out and where what leads that they're going to follow so 
and and bolstering the island in the in the um in the in the wake of what happened. Right. So there are a couple things that happened in this issue that help fill in some of the gaps uh, that came up during issue number one. Um, just I'm just going to go quickly off my notes. The X-Force team still has not, at least from what we've seen on the covers, you know, is what is supposed to be the official team, still hasn't officially formed. Right. But the members of the new squad are utilizing their strengths to investigate the assassination. Um, the issue also ends on a suspense, suspenseful cliffhanger. And the information page, um, I guess it's the penultimate or the or the final information page, fills us in on the nature of Domino's mission from issue one. And that fills in a lot of the question marks that I had. Yeah, and, and things for someone as, uh, whose powers is lucky, uh, being lucky, the Domino is not in a, um, in a lucky situation. Right. Um, at this point so yeah that that whole situation was like ooh, man that's kind of graphic mm-hmm. um oh and there was also the inclusion of a very unwarranted um um team up between wolverine and quentin choir whom yes if 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 you've stuck with the show for any length of time you know i can't stand quentin choir <laughs> he's got pink hair you know well, I don't even just that this is attitude but yeah oh, that too that too that too yeah, and 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 play and, and it's pretty much bolstered up. Like they've toned it down in like say wackos and and other places they've seen them. But yeah, this is like uh, I think wait X Force. I'm trying to remember, um, this is a uh, who's right? Uh, Teeny High right right X Force. I can't remember. Uh, but basically the oh uh, Benjamin Percy Percy. Yes, yes, yes. That's right. So basically, it's it's bulked up. It's it's it's. You know, it's amplified, his, right? His personality is definitely amplified in this book. Back to where it was back when we first met him, yeah, right. So it's which is annoying to say the least for me. Oh, and there's a spy, uh, Firestar sighting. I had to put that in my notes because I was like, oh, you know, really? Yeah, I'm she was kidding. when Magneto was basically had everybody gathered around. She was up in the top right corner. No kidding. Corner. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, cool. So I look out for stuff like that. Oh, yeah, look at that. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, you know, it's like all the mutants on the island and, and a lot of the folks we haven't seen yet. Like, they're just pepper jokers, you know, in places. Um, so, I was like, okay, that's great to see. Now, put her in a book. Um, preferably with Iceman and Spider-Man. But, you know, right. that's, but that's just me. Um, hey, if they have enough hits on Disney Plus for that show, you never know. Yeah, and plus the, the, the last, say five or six years where there's been a couple of issues where they've teamed up again together. Um, right. That's just the Gen X, the Gen X creators finally getting into power and be like, Hey, we're going to do this. Right. Uh, this, so. Basically. Um, if you haven't read, what was it? Uh, Iceman volume one, number 11, something like that. I can't remember what it was, but regardless of the, there was, there was that last the team up with him. It was great. Anyway. Um, yeah, X Force pretty much got down to the nitty gritty of, of the of the aftermath, and uh, I assume we're just going to keep going. This, this this book is going to be the one that's going to keep going with that part, right? With the investigation and mm-hmm. and following up on what happened, because pretty much all the other books they either well, last time most of these books came out, they were either about to reference or kind of was kind of around. Where in this week, you know. You, you you see not necessarily so much uh, kind of uh, overlap, but you know people are kind of just already doing their own thing in the other books as we will, as we will see, right? 
even though they some of them stuff gets still gets referenced uh, right. in this week's books. Right. And some of them are still off world, which leads back to which gets referenced in this week's book. But yeah, this this uh, leads into the next X book that I read, New Mutant uh-huh. Number Two. That's right. Mm-hmm. I know you remember where you're going with that. Which um, yeah, I I I'm been enjoying New Mutant so far. You know, so this okay. So there's a couple of things about this this uh this issue I love. It's a particular click of the week for me, because in if you remember correctly, and I know you do, but if folks out there may not remember, Hickman wrote uh, the Avengers books a couple of years ago, which you know kind of has some similar similar flavorings to this, which we, we've already mentioned. He also put in which you've, I think we've already said before, uh, Cannonball, Sunspot, and um, Smasher, who's not a mutant but just who is now married to Cannonball. So then, you know, their whole friendship thing was that, and Bobby's, you know, speaking of um, personalities who are, who's amped back up again, uh, this is pretty much, you know, full, full on Bobby and you never go full Bobby yeah, <laughs> because, you know, he can, he can't be himself, but I, but I love, but I love some spot, you know, for weird reasons. So yeah, they're still out in space and Bobby's, you know, and, and some spots doing this thing because he, so, and this brings up another thing because, um, Supposedly, I thought Bobby gave away all of his money at the end of that uh, AIM thing because he turned over AIM to uh, Tony Ho, and I thought he had given up all his money at that time. I'm fairly certain he did. He's like, nope, I ain't got it because he he almost said he didn't have any more money because basically all of his assets were, you know, he he gave them all away or did something with them or pushed them all into AIM, one of the two. And I can't remember what he did about it. But now, apparently, you know, he still has... He still has some funds, and I guess as irresponsible as he is, he still has some sort of business sense. Right, X Corp is still alive, apparently. Exactly. Yeah, and that was other. This was, was like, wait, that's still going, and he still flew it with cash. I'm like, all right, well, sh- sure. That's, hey, know. if you can reset lives with with Krakoa, you know. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. yeah no, yeah, he, he being one of the ones back from the dead. Exactly. So, um, you know, one of the things I love about this book is the artwork by Rod Rice. It's yeah. so clean. It is beautiful to look at. It tells, it tells the story beautifully. Mm-hmm. You know, that is that you cannot, you cannot uh, emphasize that enough. He actually has a good sense of storytelling as well as um, just, you know, great line work, great color work, because my understanding is that he's doing all of that because he's listed as the artist. Right. So, um, so basically, he put in some time, right? I mean, he's you know more more likely than not, this is color, uh, this is colored by uh, computers, probably drawn in computer as well. So it makes it a very efficient process. But that all that aside, um, the story was fun and ends on a fun cliffhanger, indeed. So yeah, so the whole again, I mentioned the whole Hickman and the Avengers thing, and you know Bobby and and, and Sam's uh, friendship doing that, like that comes back out during, during this, and like like nothing's really ever changed, even though they've uh, according to this haven't seen each other for months, you know, which like wait does does Sam even know if Bobby died? But remember Bobby and uh, Rain Ronnie whatever because uh, they both that was all free. I know the realms. So I know, but or during like, War of the Realms, right? Pre and during War of the Realms, and right. Ten, they were not in communication at that time. So he probably doesn't know. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm so stuff like that kind of like you know, like I wonder if that's even gonna come up, but that's like sad, so that it that doesn't matter as much. It's just like, huh, interesting, right? So, you know, um, right? So, this issue, I was about to say, this issue has the band, the old school new mutants getting back together again, yep, and uh, minus one, you know, straight up, yeah, exactly, in, in spirit. Well, he's there in a way, but... right? Exactly, exactly, he is there as part of Doug Ramsey. Um, what I was gonna just add is. It's the uh, the original band plus Chamber and Mondo. Exactly. I love I love the picture that Rod Rice put in there of the OG New Mutants all getting together for a group hug. Yeah, I love that. Mondo and Chamber are off to the side, like, yeah, we're over here, guys. It was just like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was so well done. Yeah, like that whole thing with them getting back together and, and just talking talking to each other, and you know, like the the whole um, Sam and Sam and Bobby thing, you know, when they were off talking. Uh, Smasher, <laughs> Smasher has always been a, a, an interesting character when from when she came through because I was like, you know what? And, and I said in my notes, for someone who's like from Iowa, she sure takes her space job very seriously, right? So, and and that apparently has, which was slightly different from, well, she was just coming into it when when Hickman was doing, you know, uh, Avengers, but you know, but since then, every time you've seen her, she's been kind of the the um, the straight lace on the nose one. Sure. So, but in that whole thing, including her, um, her little dialogue with uh, Iyana, was was kind of funny for what it was. But yeah, so they're still out in, out in space, and they got themselves in a little trouble, as to, as they tend to do. And now they are um, at the service of the Shi'ar Empire. Sure. And of course, which actually I totally forgot about. So, um. You know, Gladiator has been in, in charge, and now I guess he was like, "Look, I gotta turn this over, just to kind of give a little bit, of whatever." It's like I gotta give this over to the person who's actually, um, you know, should be in charge, but they're not ready yet. To the person in um, Xandra, who we saw, if you've read uh, Rogue and Gambit's book before they got married, or actually, no, it was after, after they got married. Excuse me, sorry. I was about to say I did not read that, so I didn't know where that came from. Where there was another Niramani who was ready to take the throne. So yeah, that's where she. Well, at least for, for that's pretty much where she came into play. Okay. Because um, just just as a just as a little bit of of um, fill in information for uh, lady, the ladies and gentlemen out there listening, um, Kalark, otherwise known as uh, Gladiator, the Praetor of the uh, Shi'ar Imperial Guard, has been uh, basically the head of the Shi'ar Empire for a while now. Uh, you know, not at you know, and it's not, re and it's not to his liking, but he has to do it because he is, you know, the uh, the, the most um, powerful member of the Imperial Guard. So he, for, for being a confidence-based, um, powered uh, uh, foe, yeah, he he. Well, I mean, yeah, when he's confident, he can bring it. You know, he can definitely stand. You know, he can stand toe to toe with the best of them. Mm -hmm. So, but 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 with you know, but but what I was getting at is he's not comfortable being a politician which he, is weird because you know the way he was running like i get why he wanted to get away because like he's basically sounds like look this is not a job for me this is you know i'm i'm supposed to be at the head of the imperial guard not doing right. this and it kind of shows in certain ways by the way he handles himself and he knows that he's a, he's aware of that right which right. that's a, a level of self-awareness that i was kind of surprised to see from him Right. What I was going to say is this is a long running storyline with him. Anywhere he appears, it sort of comes up as, you know, like the reluctant leader of the Shi'ar 
um empire so uh to see that you know this is you know i'm glad that you filled that in that uh that there is a, a branch of the Niromani um uh family tree that is ready to to or at least at some point right will some point will be ready to uh take over the throne yes um, but until then they have to bring in someone else who is who is uh, who's of that line and of course you know if you know anything about the shiar um hierarchy or 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 royal family you know there was some um there is a a person who is usually yeah, not quite the redheaded stepchild, but yeah, yes, basically someone who is usually um almost in a look like fashion uh, nearest the throne, <laughs> let's just say. But um, okay, so that's funny. Yeah. So, but so there, so there is that in play. So um, and and of course, you know, again. Uh, Bobby being Bobby, when they find out their mission and get to the get to um, get into uh, meeting with said person, which I guess we probably won't spoil at this point, but you kind of already right. You can kind of figure it out if you are knowledgeable about this corner of the universe, right? So you know who's always going to come back into play, and then sure enough, she does. So there is that, and I'm like, okay, well, this is good. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of how this this plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was it for last week. I can't remember. Yeah, but speaking of Gladiator, speaking of Gladiator, we actually see him in a non-X book this week, and that is Avengers. Not this week, but this week of books. Right, right. This week's worth of books. Uh, or or just to make it accurate, in last week's run of books, we also saw Gladiator in Avengers number twenty-seven. This is true. Um, which yeah, that's see. If I've told said this to people before, usually my my reading order kind of goes. Where I was like, well, if this gets something gets picked up from one book and had just happens to come into another in some kind of way, that's usually how it runs. And it's just so happened that Avengers happened to be the case, because we see Gladiator kind of out there um, investigating something that happened uh, in a sector of space of his, and he's basically like, hey, look, if y'all are here for me, I want you to call, <laughs> get in contact with these people, which. Also, which is kind of surprising, actually, because usually, you know, like the Shi'ar and the Kree are usually pretty, um, are are pretty, uh, yeah, you know. Right, and you don't expect them to ask for help, right? You don't expect them to call the Earthlings for help. Exactly. And that's exactly what happens in this issue, because what Gladiator does is exactly what Roddy Cat just mentioned, which is... When, you know, if I don't, if I don't check in by X date and X time, then you need to call up the earthlings and right. the earthlings think, come, you know, hurtling through space to help out. Right. But in, I, I, I'm believing it is this specific reason as to why other, other than that, they would have been like, no, nah, we can handle this ourselves probably until, you know, until we couldn't. So I'm, I suspect we will probably find out if that is the case or not, but we, we jump from that being the case, him jumping on what there's a lot of jumps or well, there's a couple of different jumps in, in this uh, issue because we jump from that to the Avengers getting to after getting Avengers getting the call and them getting prepped for the space. And then we jump into the future a bit to yeah. the mission going foobar. Yeah. Oh, it went totally bad. Oh, but before that, you know, we go to the mission where they're getting, where they're basically getting ready to go. And of course you have a space mission. So who else would you call but black widow? Of course. That makes total sense because, as I have in my notes, what Mockingbird wasn't um, wasn't available, because ultimately, you know, and and I kind of like 
uh, what Aaron did in some of the dialogue there is, hey, you know, I don't really belong here, but, you know, we're sure, you know, the the reasoning is that they're shorthanded and Panther's not going into space either, so. Because he's looking for Tony, who is, right. um, who they didn't mention, but is lost in the past. Because, well, you know, they don't know, they're exactly, what I was going to say is they, yeah, don't, they don't know that, that but they do mention that's what he's doing, is that he's looking right. for Tony, so. Exactly. So, which again, if you can't have too many, you can't go too far in a an Avenger story without have some kind of time travel um, component going on. So, at least yeah. nowadays, exactly. Well, just in general, because I mean, hell, you know, the, the Wackos had a couple of them, and even in the past uh, Avengers runs, so I was like, yeah, there's been a few different times that the Avengers had the had right. some time shenanigans going on. Right. So, so I just wanted to, to to mention, you know, just a couple things I jotted down in my notes that I'm not sure if this is the first time the Avengers have dealt with the brood. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's funny to see the Sleezoids abound and, you know, see the Avengers fight the prisoners of a Shi'ar prison. Mm-hmm. And um, the latest happenings in Silver Surfer Black seem to have caught up to the Avengers book. <laughs> yes, apparently. So, which we knew was going to happen because, well, we I think we even said it, at some point around Annihilation that was going to, things were going to kind of come back into the fall. We didn't think it was going to be this soon, but right. apparently, yeah. Uh, surfers. Hey, uh, well, he's not silver anymore, but the surfer shows up at the end of this after things have already gone bad. Um, right. Well, I was about to say they're gone from bad to worse in this sense because we're not sure what role he is going to play. Right. Doesn't look like it's a good one. Um, right. uh, we also found out that apparently, um, um, well, one, uh, Captain Marvel's gone binary again because of being out in space and being close to a, a white star. She also stole a star jammer ship because that was apparently abandoned, even though we do know they are around. Right. It, it It's kind of funny because in the New Mutants, it's a similar looking ship, but it's not the exact same ship. Exactly. But obviously, that is left to the artist's imagination, so it's hard to know. But, you know, Aaron gives us a reason behind it. It's just right. the original or an older version of it. Right. It was just sitting out there parked by a star, you know, no big, no biggie. So my, it's probably, I, fair, I would say it's probably in a, in a, in a, whatchamacallit, in a, a spare hideout or something. It's like, hey, you know, they left one here for me to, you know, for, for anyone to use, so. Maybe, yeah, maybe, but yeah, that, that wasn't specifically said, but yeah, maybe. But my, like I said, my my was thinking was like, uh, no, no, that was their ship that that was the same ship from New Mutants that they went off and because they went off and done something else and just left it there and she just took it. Yeah, that would be funny. Would have been funny. Like then they come back and like, where is our ship? See Avengers twenty seven. Yeah, right. <laughs> that would be some serious continuity right there. I know, right? Which you know, that would be. I hate to say this, and you know, uh, we'll move on to the next book after this, unless you have something else to add. Um, I was just going to add that uh, back in the day, you know, seventies, eighties Marvel, when everything was operating out of the Marvel bullpen offices in New York, like everything was operating, all the editors and stuff. That was a lot easier to do, right? You know, where or where like the creators were all basically in the same area, so mm-hmm. you know, it was a lot easier to coordinate. Um, even though everyone is available electronically now, I still don't exactly. think it's. I still don't think it's the same. So, I mean, I I would, given some books, especially this week, you would think, but I don't know. I, I feel like they they have may have tightened it up to where somebody's keeping track of all of that, and therefore they have like, if not the editors, there's some some group in there that's like, well, 
I mean, they've said this before. It's like, yeah, you can use this, 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 and this for this reason because they're being used elsewhere and that kind of thing. They've said that stuff, stuff but I feel like somebody keeping track of all that on this. There's some spreadsheet in 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 the New York office. Be like, ah, that, right. this is what we got going on with this, that. So, because right. that that has to be able to explain uh, a couple of characters that we're going to talk about from the current week's books. Sure, being around everywhere and and his mother. Although even part of that still doesn't really. Uh, say much, but anyway, but until we get to that point, do you want to uh, fire the rest of these books? Um, or do you have one more do you want to do? Let me see what else I got. Um, yeah, sure, we could do that. All right, so I'm gonna spin it up. We're just gonna do uh, the week of oh, oh just the, the previous week, the week of Thanksgiving's book. So I'm gonna spin up the the uh, minigun real quick, and we're gonna get rolling on that. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to talk about a book that. What's that? <laughs> Look at eight to seven trying to keep the show tight. Yeah, because we know because we have two sets of. Uh, oh, I know. I know. I'm so yeah. what we have, what, what I'm going to do is talk about a book that I I don't think you read. <laughs> it's an image book called Philadelphia. That's what I was looking at earlier when when I was when I when that struck me. So yeah, what's the deal? Right. So this book is by um, the writer is a TV writer. And the, the writer is a TV writer. I'm just I just want to look up um, uh, the names of the creators. It's Rodney Barnes, and the artist is Jason Sean Alexander. Oh, I was wondering why his name was coming up recently. Okay, right. Yeah. And it's a story about a cop following through on his cop father's investigation, and he discovers that where is it? vampires in philadelphia including one very close to home and one rooted in american history so it's pretty interesting and the art is definitely well done it's an entertaining and very pretty looking book so i would definitely uh, take a look at issue number two could be Uh, vampires in brooklyn yeah you know i i almost made a joke about that in my notes as soon as i saw vampires in philadelphia on my notes i was like well it could be vampires in brooklyn Mm-hmm. Um, the next book I wanted to talk about is Jane Foster Valkyrie number five. Did you have this? I did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, there was a great Goodwill Hunting reference in a great action-packed issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of got a kick out of that when I saw how it was pulled off because I didn't expect it. I did not expect it when I was scrolling through, and it was you know the 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 uh, the setup is the same, but because of who speaks it, it's different. And if you know what I'm talking about, it involves apples. Um, there's also a cool twist on the idea of uh, Valhalla in this issue. I really like this. It's a really a lot of fun. Yeah, and there was there was the 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 bits with the horse, especially a, a, an atomic steed that happens to show up. Uh, oh yeah. That that I was like, host now they see this is the thing about I'm loving about, and I don't know if this is this was intentional because because they've been doing this great in the last couple of years, like they've just been popping up stuff, uh, just left and right. I'm like, hey, remember this? Well, continuity, right? They're weaving yeah. continuity into the into the stories, like oh, yeah. or just either references to something, or or you know they'll you know some prop or something will happen to come out, like right. It's a little bit more than an Easter egg, you know. Right. It's not just in the background; they're actually using it, right. So this just kind of reminded, hey, this is the thing we had, remember? And it was like, oh, for people like me and 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 age seven, it was like, okay, yeah. And and that still goes to this 
this is currently supposed to, which we'll get to. Right. Anyway, but yeah, that's a great issue. Right. And and uh, I haven't looked at the sales numbers, but uh, if this book needs support, and I suspect that it does, go out and support it. It is so well done. We want to see more of uh, Jane Foster Valkyrie on the stands. And someone shows up, which I won't mention, uh, you know, who's been showing up lately that we'll get to for in the current week's books. Sure. Uh, next up is Black Panther number 18. Mm-hmm. I think Roddy Cat read this as well. Of course. Um, T'Challa and Aurora discuss the events, basically discuss the events of the first 17 or so issues of this book um, that happened both in space and in the past, and they kind of resolve upon a course of action. So actually, if you're looking for a place to jump on, jump on now. Actually, it goes a little further than that because they specifically talk about right after he goes into the wormhole, uh, what happens after he gets, you know, quote unquote, lost. Right. Like the, the what so which I thought partially was unnecessary, but I get why they did it because it was like okay, that clearly he had to talk out some stuff and it was kind of going somewhere that I'm assuming is going to bear out, you know, in in right. some some issues coming going forward. But it was like did the like it was like part of that didn't really necessarily need to be. It was a talking heads issue, and yeah. it was a lot of exposition. <laughs> like I said, explaining a lot of what happened over the past 17 issues. So if you were looking to maybe jump on and maybe um, weren't so enthusiastic, kind of like I was with um, the pacing of the previous issues, this served as a good primer and, you know, maybe even as an impetus to go back and review it. I kind of wonder about that. Yeah, I've thought about that because I get why you're saying that. And yeah, as we've been reading it for the way we have, you know, and now that it's all digested, um, yeah, it just kind of gives a little bit more to it. But at the same time, I don't know. It was paced the way it was for a reason. And, and reading this and then going back and reading that would definitely give it a little more context. But it also right. might mess up some things. I don't know. In the, in the way he told it. I don't know. Right. But it'll definitely fill in any gaps that you felt might exist, um, you know, in terms of uh, how did, you know, uh, maybe uh, leaps of logic or maybe you can give away too much to where it would be unnecessary to finish reading that if you read this and then go back to it. Right, but my main point still stands, which is if you're looking to jump on, this is a good place to do it. I'm not sure about that, but yeah. Well, I think so, simply because it summarizes and gives you a reason for the next arc, you know? Oh, that part is true, yes. Right, so so that's it for me for last week. Okay, Um, Fallen Angel is number two. Did you read it? I skimmed it. Go ahead. Um, so luckily this is fairly fresh. So basically the team basically, um, or the, what is the core, I guess, of the team is coming together, um, on whatever this mission cycle is, is getting them on and they all have a lot to supposedly get out of it. I suppose this is, um, so the book, this is a shout out to Brian Hill, who's writing this book. Um, who's been on the show before um and again we have another um you know a mutant that shows up that's what shows up in this one because we hadn't seen her in a minute and she's also weirdly she's rocking um like late 80s like late 80s dazzler look with you know with the jacket and the the blue the blue thing but anyway, that's you know right. like, that's a weird choice, especially given what's you know the, been going on with her the last few years. But regardless, um, 
like I said, the Psylocke and Extremity 3 and, and the whole crew, they kind of, I guess they, they're pretty much getting themselves together on for what mission this is. And there's a couple of different missions that they got to go on, though, which are linked together, but they have motivations within themselves to for their different things and different things they need to get out of it. Um, you did Black Panther. Ironheart number 12 would be my last one from that book. I... I'm sad to say that this is the last issue of this book, which we, I think we kind of knew uh, coming for for a minute now, but at least it got 12, I guess. But I really, really enjoyed this book. And um, right, it got the full trade paperback or two trade, two, two smaller trade paperbacks. Yeah. Yes. And they, they finished it up on a nice, neat note, but there's some more stuff there that could have been. You know, it could have gone a little bit longer, but you know, I, again, we don't know what the sales are, or whether this was intentional. I, I don't think it was. But bear in mind, we also know that uh, they're going to relaunch Ironheart as part of Iron Man 2020. There's that, and also um, they they mentioned at the end of this that you know the incoming uh, event that's going to happen sometime this month. She's going to be a part of that with the champions. So it is not the end of Ironheart, just the end of the series. This this particular volume of the series, I should say. Right. You know, um, like I said, I enjoyed it. And a shout out to um to to E Viewing who who did a bank up job on this uh, on this book. You know, we get we basically get a little bit more backstory into uh Ruby's dad and come to find out that there are things that are not what it seems with his backstory and may possibly go some way into clinging curler uh, not necessarily retconning, but kinda Slightly cleaning up a little bit of Riri's. It doesn't change anything that's already happened, but just kind of, you know, gives a little bit more color to it, I guess. Sort of. But like I said, it ends on a nice neat note, so, but I hate that it ended. Uh, that is it for me. Okay, I got a lot of other books. Yeah, at least, or at least for that point. Like, I got a few, bunch more books that I read, but we're just going to keep it. Oh, actually, I do want to bring up one um, because Invisible Woman number five. Is it in the spillover? Huh? Oh, I didn't put it down. Oh, you didn't put it down? Okay. Like I said, like, yeah, I told you I had like other notes that I didn't put on the sheet. But I got you. I got you. So, um, Invisible Woman number five also ended with uh, issue number five. And it was, I don't know. It, it was all right. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. And I feel like the ending of it, it's either it either ended the way I expected or it didn't end the way I expected. And I kind of expected more out of it. I don't know. I'm in the same boat. I definitely understand where you're coming from simply because given how this story played out with the former uh, spy partner, you kind of knew what would happen to the former spy partner, but how it was executed left, I think, a little bit to be desired. Yes. And I didn't quite agree with how Sue Richards uh, reacted to the whole thing. Yeah. But... Um, it did feel very human, which was, you know, which which I think is the whole point, because most of the super spies don't possess, you know, powers on Sue Storm's level. Right. Or and, her moral compass. Right. And, you know, with that, you know, and, and with, you know, without those, uh, you know, these spies have to do things uh, just to survive a, a, a certain way. And, you know, just to see her have to, you know, kind of cope with, um, you know, that 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 reality you know because that's essentially the that was essentially the uh the, the at least part of the moral conflict right 
So that's pretty much it. There was a couple other books about that, but that's none. Um, I don't know. Did you? Joy, you said you didn't read any of twenty nine nine stuff, did you? No, no. Spidey, Spidey. Okay, yeah. With them, we'll talk about that later because those books are. I'm not sure what to say about even those books. Right. Whether or not we'll up on them is another story. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of where it's looking. So we'll, we'll go ahead and get into the, this week's books. Uh, starting with, I know we both read and both liked. I'm afraid, I'm almost fairly. You know what? Since you mentioned it, Amazing Spider-Man number thirty-five. Actually, uh, that wasn't where I was going to go, but might as well. Sure. So, Doctor Doom demands justice. Yes. And as we've mentioned uh, over the past several um shows i think um dealing with this storyline we're trying to figure out what on earth uh they're getting at here with doom kind of triggering this 29 to 9 event and not only that but do you think his response like i get it it's in service to the story but his response was even for doom was just especially having been publicly exposed in the ff not that long ago like on a global scale for him to react this way to this, like I had me feeling like basically Peter was in the beginning of the book. Like I don't, you know. Sure. And I'm like that was it was even for even for Doom that was a little over the top for this. Right. Like it wasn't like it was him. It was his, it was his Doom bot that got that, that got shot. Which you know chalk that up because one Doom shows up again this you know uh, here in another book from this week because um, he's kind of one boy and has been making rounds including. I don't think I think he's yeah even in the twenty nine books, but that's all centered around this. Um, I don't know. It was just weird. But at the same time, we see you know Peter teaming up with his sister again, and they're going after the chameleon who they have to get them to do. And that apparently that device that um, Peter's classmate um, was working on comes into play, and I guess is. Part of the catalyst of more of the 2099 stuff. So I don't know. This one's a weird because this feels real loosely to like you kind of it's kind of like what you're just saying. It's like this feels kind of, or I assume what you're saying is you know that whole 2099 stuff and this don't feel that connected. Well, really, what, what I was getting at is at some point this is the impetus for all of it. Right. And we still haven't seen how. Right. But this I think is the how. And we're going to find out in the next issue what events, you know, have contributed since what supposedly happens in the cliffhanger page in this issue, how that affects the 2099 event going forward. Right. Which, so, feels, which still kind of feels a little, a little loose and lacking. Cause I, yeah. I, it's it, it, listen, this is not, this has not been the, 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 the best lead into an event, um, in the Spidey books for a while, so right because because at this point there are at the very least what three well that's probably four at this point because the special would just have to come out like at least four twenty nine nine books out mm-hmm. and yes there are in the world of twenty ninety nine which there was their whole point and you know dealing with people who have and have not you know been in that world especially one new person uh Conan who that book was interesting um. But but none of it really kind of calls back into or directly into this, with the exception of Doom being involved and you know loose references to him, right? And and you know that world. So I don't know. Weird. How uh, about I was about to say, are we done with that? 
Yeah, I was going to go to Doctor Doom since he was okay. No, I, I didn't. Okay, so yeah, because I basically wanted to do that, even though it has nothing to do with that, but it's basically one another Doom sighting. But and speaking of sightings, this is also uh, Doom and Mephisto, uh, because after the events of last issue, Doom, hey, guess what? Doom gets shot. Actually, gets shot, and he goes to hell. Spoiler, and he meets up with Mephisto, who he just disrespects. <laughs> He even duffs him one good time or a couple good times. Like Doom's like, look, I don't, I don't, I don't have to be here. Screw you. It, it's, 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 it's all kind of amusing. So both Doom and Mephisto have been in a lot of places lately, uh, which is why I bring that up. And Mephisto, so I feel like their meeting was bound to happen at some point, I, I suppose. Uh, and I guess this was it. I don't know whether I, I assume that was intentional or whatnot, or this is still leading up to something bigger. I don't know why I'm, I keep thinking there might be, mm-hmm. but I doubt it because I mean, we know we feel like Mephisto's been in enough places where something's gonna, there's got to be something coming out of that. But at the same time, these two meeting each other, not to say they don't have past history because they do, right? Um, and that they and that gets played out here in so, some real, I don't want to call it for lack of a better term, cringy. Uh, a thing happens that has nothing to do with what I'm thinking of. But if you th- if you knew where my thought pattern was and what Doom says or yells out in relation to someone else that uh, of his past and giving past history, it's like say Secret Wars. That's right. like a little icky. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah. So Doom basically battles battles. Not even it is not even a battle to be honest. The Doom goes to hell, messes with Mephisto, comes back to Earth, and then, um, actually, then not really much happens because he's back. Wakes up, and if you know the rapper MF Doom, he he wakes up in clothes that looks like something MF Doom was wear. Okay. Which is kind of funny, and the, which is the, which is why I have a reference to to that in in my notes. Um, and now he's basically getting caught up on, you know, thanks to Gang Kang getting caught up on, you know, who did it, who did it to him. So I guess this is where he's going to go from there and and figure that out. It's like it's even in this, the stuff that happens, in, you know, and uh, Spider Man, you know. He goes less ballistic on, like he's kind of calm about, it, except well, except for his one little outburst when he woke, quote unquote, woke back up from being dead. You know, um, you know, it, it was still had a more meter than, you know, the whole twenty nine and that stuff, which is weird. So, but anyway, that's Doctor Doom number three. That's, you know, like I said, whether that Mephisto and or Doom stuff is going to go into any place meaningful, we'll see at some point. Right. Um, how about we jump to the distinguished competition for a book that actually three of us read? Justice uh, number thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. I skimmed it. Right. So I know that Roddy Cat skimmed it. PCN underscore Dirt actually read it and contributed some notes, and I read it. And it's so funny to see. I did not read Dirt's notes before I typed mine, and it's funny to see that we all mentioned the same thing, which is. Um, the league, the league gets in a circle. Yeah, they have a prayer circle because they have no options to connect with the world. The way PCN underscore dirt put it was, um, he appreciates the over the top bravado of the story, 
but there are so many parts of it that just don't make sense. The Justice League has to have faith in justice? That's what we're talking about. What does that even mean? Um... Uh, I mean, in in the in the in the in the course of the story, I mean, in, or in relation to the story, I get it. But at the same time, what really? Right. So there is a scene in this, and it makes me laugh. And I'm a huge fan of uh, the uh, the 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 JLA Avengers crossover. Hmm. And for anyone who picked up the JLA Avengers crossover, written by Kurt Busiek and drawn by the uh, legendary George Perez. Um, the book had the Justice League and the Avengers all yell out one of the best uh, superhero battle cries of all, of course, Avengers Assemble. Why? Because the Justice League doesn't have a battle cry at all. The best yeah. they got, the best they got is... For justice. Yeah, League for Justice. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. They can't even have, they don't even have the the the, the guts to put it in big bold letters on the page because they're just embarrassed by it. I mean, well, think about it. You think you really think Batman would actually sell something like that? Would be able to? And God, I'm using a wrestling term. Oh Jesus, you know, right? He like, wouldn't be able to get over, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like he's not gonna be able to sell that. Like this is Batman. Right. Like if it was Superman, get, maybe right. they can't get Superman to yell that out for right. justice. Exactly. Like it would be more believable from him. But yeah, that part was actually kind of funny to me. And and as a uh, as Dirk, it's, it's um, this little it's this little bubble, you know, mm-hmm. it's this tiny yeah. little bubble. Yeah, so, it's almost like he just spoke it plain Jane. Like and yeah, he was supposed to be coming out of a loudspeaker or something. We don't know. Right, but, all right. Yeah, he was just like yeah, for justice. I'm like yeah, okay, all right. right. So, so, but yeah, the whole uh, but like I was saying, uh, the, the like PC Nunsir Dirt. Um, that the whole uh, the so stupid scene was fun. But yeah, that was a good scene. I like yeah. that. That was that was pretty fun. But yeah, I'm like, okay, this is, I get it. In relation to the story, I get why the whole prayer circle thing or the the circle of justice, whatever you want to call that thing, happened. But it's still kind of nonsensical. <laughs> right, right. So this is the penultimate issue. The next issue is actually, uh, I think Snyder ends on thirty nine. Mm, so it's probably think... the epilogue. Right. Uh, so that'll be the epilogue issue. Next issue is the big showdown. We hope, because it's been kind of running for a minute. Yeah, this has been going on for a while. You know, lots of uh, Perpetua and the Monitor, the Anti-Monitor, and blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, I feel like a, a nowhere to talk a war. Pretty much, pretty much. You know, they really made, you know, they really stressed, you know, a newer character, uh, a newer feature character that they brought in, which is the child between uh, Shayera and uh, John Jones. So. Kendrick. What, what's all Kendra? I'm Kendra sorry. Yeah, not but yeah, I was about to say Hawk Girl. Yeah, either way, yes, exactly. Right. Hawk Girl, but Hawk Girl, whichever Hawk Girl. Even their actual dress was basically like a, I guess a future or a alternate, on alternate, uh, universe version. I'm mean, that that part even still because it's not like them in this universe. It's them from another, uh, yeah. version of them. Right. A version of Zim's, which I suspected something was going to happen with that child, and I don't. Uh, again, I didn't. I don't think I finished reading the book to know if that happened in this issue. Something's probably going to end up happening in that book because they're not going to keep that child out there for too much longer. I suspect. Right. It's probably like they're just setting him up to just use him for something. But regardless, yeah, that's that's just like some thirty-seven though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, what do you got? Uh, I have 
Um, well, let's do Black Cat. All right. Because after that, I pretty much got a slate of Xbox and some other stuff. Sure. Um, we are both fans of the, the Black Cat. Uh, I can safely say that uh, between 8 to 7 and I myself. Yes. And this issue, I feel, is no different. Like, it's, it's not heist-driven like the majority of the rest of them have been. Granted, there's only been seven issues. But yeah, this is a really... lot of exposition and, and, and uh, fill-in story. There is, but I, I, it's, there is a good effect using this because if you could almost see this being played out cinematically. So on one hand, you see uh, the Black Cat kind of um, come to find Black Fox who's been kidnapped. Right. who is in the clutches of Odessa Drake, the head of the New York Guild. And on the other hand, you see Odessa Drake monologuing heavily to Black Fox. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get her motivations behind the, you know, the things she's doing. And even Black Fox kind of gets under, under her skin as to that said reason, or at least his what his reasoning is, which apparently seems to be on, on the money. Uh, and then the meeting of both of those two sides come together and yeah, the, the book pretty much ending the way it does. Not with a fight, but with a bunch of idle threats. Not, maybe not even idle threats, but just a bunch of threats that are probably playing. Right. It's yeah. set up, exactly. It's a setup for the big uh, showdown. Uh, the one thing I would add is that uh, during the monologuing and exposition, uh, what uh, Jed McKay did was weave in actually weave in yes you know before we had teased about or we had discussed what they were getting at and some of the smaller things that they had mentioned easter eggs really that they had dropped about the other thieves guilds and the whole system of thieves guilds in the marvel universe in this issue we actually got it in set in 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 comic book stone which is you know weaving in the thieves guild continuity from all the other books including the x books you know as we've constantly referenced before in yeah, the issue yeah, we a bow drop exactly i was about to mention that yeah so like it yeah with a nice little neat little bow we get the whole little history you know uh, history of the of the guild right and we get and we specifically get the backstory on the new york thieves guild and why we hadn't heard about it, you know a little bit of retconning and why we hadn't heard about it up until this book which was a good thing to see because yeah it was definitely um something we didn't know about whether people cared about it like uh, maybe outside of us well yeah what i was gonna say is if if you were familiar with the story of gambit you know upon his upon his introduction in the early 90s mm-hmm. then you might it might have crossed your mind pretty much only if you were connected to if you had a connection to uh some of the other characters who were thieves uh, in the Marvel Universe, and the only other one that really got any sort of play was the Black Cat. And right. that was in the Spider-Man corner of the universe. So if you weren't as well-versed, and back in the day, especially in the in the 80s and 90s, a lot of people were X-Men only. Right, so- or even, I would just say, even if you your, your corner coming into this was from the X-Men animated series where they had the one, the, the one uh, the two Gambit-focused Thieves Guild, you know, right. uh, episodes. Right. So if that was your main focus, if the Xbooks were your main focus at that time, then you really didn't have a chance to connect to the other parts of the Marvel Universe, you know, at least with regards to Thieves. But now they're all playing nice together. Right. Because even coming into this book, we were like, there, there's another guild outside of the one we knew about with the Xbooks. And yeah, and like I said, it all paid out coming into this issue. Exactly. With- 
So it was, it was good for me. Yeah, I was about to say credit to McKay for waiting until issue seven to really put that in there. Like yeah. it, he, you know, like <coughs> excuse me, it was teased, and we, you know, and and what we discussed was basically conjecture up until now, and now it's been confirmed, which is great. It actually, to me, I had a lot of fun seeing um, McKay really weave in the Marvel continuity and really entrench the Thieves Guild into the history of the Marvel universe. Indeed, indeed, yeah. So, you know, where it goes from here, we will see, see, but hey, given what we have now, like that opens it up to, you know, some other things that could potentially happen. Definitely, definitely. And what's funny about it is, you know, we have um, the mention of uh, an external, which is from, uh, you know, the the Gambit story as well. Mm -hmm. The Kandra and... um, you know, and, and the fact that this guild uh, business is, is is international, you know. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah, like I said, whether to go back into the Xbox, given what's going on there anymore. And Gambit's kind of busy with uh, with an, actually with a book from this week. Right. Um, but whether that is going to go back to the X part of the corner or. Gambit's busy playing D&D right now. He's <laughs> exactly. He's leveling. Wait, did you see that in my notes, or did you have that in yours also? No, I read it. Oh, okay, I read it. I don't. I don't know if I put it into my. Because into... I noticed that. Because I noticed that exact same thing. Which we, you know what? If we since. Oh no, I did. I did. Yeah. Okay. More direct. Well, we can talk about it now. Yeah, I'm about to say, yeah, let's go ahead and get into Excalibur three right now. Then that. Means... All, right. All right. So that was, that was the indirect tie. I wasn't expecting to go into, but sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, because ultimately, what 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 uh, really stood out to me in this book is that there's more direct. A, D, and D references in the story. Yes. Um, like, really, like, on the nose direct. I loved it, yeah. Um, you know, including dragons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, another generation of Excalibur comes into the story, as well as a former member of X-Force. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I was about to wait. Were you talking about the same person? No, you know, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. so the, the short of it, we see uh, a mutant we haven't seen in a while since, since, like you said, X Force Richter, who's in a somewhat of a state. You know, right. I guess he wanted to go to uh, Krakoa, but he, but he was too scared because his powers are acting up or whatever the case may be. Right. But apparently, Apocalypse came along later on and be like, "Nah, you, you come on, I, I need you." <laughs> so we'll see how that's going to play out. But in, and on the other side of that, we see, you know, uh, Captain Britain, a, uh, Betsy, and uh, the rest of the crew in Avalon, where Shogo turned into a dragon when they cross over, which had me thinking two things. Well, one, with the Richter thing, I'm like, well, Richter's powers are going crazy. Where are the Morlocks? The Morlocks? Yes. And, and they say that for a specific reason because they are mutants. One, so why? So are they on Krakoa or are they plan on going to Krakoa? The healer is there. The Do Morlock, the Morlock healer is there. Okay, but most of I was thinking like Leech, because you would think they would have like pulled him foundation. in. Huh? He's with the Future Foundation. He's in space. Leech? Yeah, Artie and Leech. They're with the Future Foundation. Are you? Oh yes, they are. You're right. I totally forgot about. Damn, I never read the book too. You're right. So there you go. Never, so forget about that part. And then <laughs> that's all right. Never mind. But the rest of them still. But even still, then the rest of them, you know, like where are they? But so yeah, future foundation space. And I totally forgot about the they were there. 
So and and obviously Richter has a tie to them anyway because I think I'm fairly certain they were all X Factor. They were all in X Factor together anyway. But that's beside the point because, you know, like I said, this just had me thinking about where where were the Morlocks in general. You know, right. I've, I have seen the Morlock healer. He's definitely there. You know, when they're trying to heal up um, uh, during the X Force issue, I think. Mm-hmm. If you look around, like he's the he's the guy with like the the goatee beard. Right. And he he looks like he's a wizard. You know, I hate to say he's like a Gandalf looking dude. Well, with no hat. Um, that's I, the Morlock healer. Okay. Maybe I was thinking about somebody else that was him. But okay. So, yeah, that's kind of what I was doing. I didn't pay attention to who that was. So, there was that part. And like I said, the, everybody, uh, the rest of Excalibur is in, um, uh, is in Avalon, where Shogo turns into a baby, which had me thinking about... I feel like at some point in the past, they've been to Avalon before, one, when the, the OG Excalibur was in the group. And that being the case, if I'm maybe I'm probably getting this wrong, but Lockheed was probably with them. So, and this is just my my crazy thing. I'm like, wait, so if Shoko goes into the portal, turns into a dragon when he gets to the other side of Avalon, if Lockheed goes in there, does he change also into a baby <laughs> yeah, or something? Yeah, or like in some sort of human form, you know, dragon. You know, I, I thought about that for a minute. I was like, well, wait a minute, he's already a dragon, so would he just you know flip the other way or something? But I, I feel like that's probably happened and nothing happened on that front. And Shogo's probably, dude, there's going to be something coming out of that from Shogo. Like maybe we'll find that he's a shapeshifter and they'll have to call him Megan or something. Mm. <laughs> we'll which, see. Which actually, given what uh, the list that, that shows up at the end of this book, maybe that's going to happen. Uh, because they're in Avalon and, and Gambus was worried about Rogue and, you know, Betsy's worried about Brian and Jubilee is obviously worried about uh, Shogo, who's a big dragon now. Um, so she spends most of the issue being more worried about him than what she's doing, which, you know, that's a baby. What you, you know, what are you going to say? But who thought about that from Jubilee, first of all? <laughs> Her can't invite anybody else for herself, especially if you're, you know, you know, 90s X-Men animated series version. Sure. But um, but going back to what we were talking about, yeah, there's definitely a, f- a, f- a few different references to the, the including one from uh, Gambit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about, so we're supposed to be just walking around for a few weeks and hope to level up. Mm-hmm. Like, like, okay, I didn't know you played Gambit, but it makes sense because he's already the thief, so he's, his, his class is already built in. <laughs> it's fun. So, and then there was a couple of others in, in, uh, outside of that. Um but yeah, I enjoyed this issue. That being being said, with all of that, you know, it was like I'm still not entirely sure what. But then again, you could say that about the, the OGX. Well, I'm not sure where this is going. Mm-hmm. Like we know where kind of it's going, like, or where it's centered around, and we definitely see. Well, clearly they're bringing in they're bringing in some X um X X caliber folks, including who shows up at the end of this this issue. Right, another previous incarnation of the team. Exactly, and given the list, like I said, uh, of that they showed with previous members on it, you know, I suspect at some point they will probably come back in the book at some point. We know Kitty Pride's kind of, or excuse me, Catherine Pride is off doing her own thing. So, yeah, I'm sure, and the way the X books have been running in the way, they kind of been, you know, they, they tie into each other's books. So, cool. Uh, I guess since we're already in the X corner, we want to go to. I know you said you hadn't read X Men. Did you read Marauders? I did. I just didn't uh, type it in. Okay. So yeah, we'll do that one. Um, 
and maybe we'll go ahead and wrap it for after that. You got it. Uh, so yeah, so this one basically centered around Sebastian Shaw, and um, I guess it goes back a little bit, um, or at least it seems to, right? Because we start off, uh, Xavier is still alive, so clearly this is in the past, right? There, yeah, there's definitely an arc within this book of mm-hmm. a time arc uh, for Sebastian Shaw. Right, and the and the reason for that is because there's uh, another mutant, which I don't know about too much about um, his kinfolk, uh, but uh, Sebastian Shaw's son, who apparently died by a, a or a seemingly died by a person who we just mentioned, if I don't remember him dying, I had to look exactly, exactly, I had to look that up. Yeah, see, I'm like, I don't know who this person is. Well, I remember that. I remember mentioning. I remember mentions of him, but I don't think I've ever read anything with him specifically. And I definitely don't remember when he, you know, when he had supposedly died. Well, remember he was he was uh, one of the print the 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 prime characters that was behind um, uh, Salak. You know, the initial transformation between the Mandarin right. Shaw. You know, but during the whole uh, Acts of Vengeance thing. Right, but again, like I said, that's that's like. That's a long time ago, right? Exactly. So from then to then, so basically what happens is, spoiler alert, um, uh, Sebastian Shaw's son comes back to life because of the resurrection protocol. Right. Uh, and Sebastian Shaw kind of takes it upon himself to reacclimate his son, who apparently still has, or at least at the beginning though, still has a thing against Sebastian Shaw, which I don't kind of blame him, to be honest. Right. Um, and also he's been portrayed as like kind of the estranged, estranged yeah. son. So, right. but being this is a new state of the state for the mutant kind, this seems to be you know some of that old animosity was still there, but it just seemed to be kind of ironing out during the course of this issue, uh, including Sebastian Shaw's somewhat skewed version of the events leading to um, his status right now. But of course, you know, you know, his son don't know any better, so you know he can say what he want. Um, uh, but his also his son has uh, has his own little dealings elsewhere, going back to um, what Agent Seventy just said, which I assume is going to come into play again at some point. But it's all set up for Sebastian Shaw setting up up the way that uh, Emma set up. Um, basically the same setup as Emma did with Catherine, Sebastian's kind of doing with his son. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that the difference is Emma got what she wanted out of the deal, which is the third member of um, the Hellfire Clubs. Well, who have they? I don't remember what, what do they call those? The, the, inner, circle. the inner circle. Yeah. Yes. So they got their third member through uh, Emma Shaw as opposed to how, how Sebastian Shaw wanted it, which also is an underlying thing in this, which didn't get to happen as we saw last issue. Um, and as uh, Agent 7 said, there was an arc, which I don't think they even addressed that part of it, but we kind of see that it was a thing that happened. Right. I mean, you can definitely tell that there's an arc to this individual story because, you know, and it covers a certain amount of time because Pyro doesn't have that awful face tattoo. Exactly. Um, right, because yeah. this starts when he first, when he and other folks first get resurrected. Exactly. exactly. So, um, so you know, uh, you know, ultimately, this book seems to be very much focused upon 
um, the Hellfire Shipping Corporation and how um, the various players in um, the Krakoan shipping business, a shipping lanes business, are going to be interacting. So there's Kitty or Kate Pride and her crew, mm-hmm. and Sebastian Shaw and whatever he's doing, and Emma Frost and whatever she's doing. So yeah, this book is definitely seemingly going to be about about plots and schemes of horror, which right. in the bigger stream of the, the scheme of the X Men. They've got bigger fish to fry, but at the same time, hey, you know, you gotta you gotta work all your angles where they need to, I guess. Right. And even Shaw and says in here is like, hey, this, there's a necessary thing that, that that is needed here, and you know, he's trying to take care of that part. So we'll, we'll see how that how that works out for him. Right. Um, you got a book you want to throw out? Uh, just one, and then I guess we'll go into rapid fire. Yeah. Uh. I'd like to talk about Daredevil number 14 quickly. Daredevil and Detective Cole North have a heart-to-heart in this issue, literally over coffee. Um, you know, in the light of day, Matt Murdock is, is running around in a very Netflix-style black, uh, black uh, uh, you know, mask tied over his head, you know, with a hood. And... Um, Basically, he and Cole North have a heart-to-heart, and uh, Murdoch gains some clarity in his personal life, where Cole North is trying to deal with um, this different way of looking at uh, costumed characters. Um, we also find that Matt Murdoch is gaining some clarity in his crime-fighting life as well, as uh, an issue, uh, uh, I guess a several-issue arc involving Electra is continuing uh, you know she she continues to be a guest star in this book providing uh, Matt Murdock with some uh, refresher courses on uh, martial arts and being a superhero so um, that's essentially uh, where this book is it's it's moving at a decent pace uh, for anyone who is a Daredevil fan I think this is a definitely a good time to jump on because they've gotten a lot of the emotional stuff out of the way uh, yeah, so I got a question. Um, he's still not back in the suit, correct? Not yet. And are they still going along with that that new Daredevil thing that they were season a while back? Yes and no, because ultimately what they are doing is having people realize that Daredevil has quote unquote gone away, and having pretenders to the throne basically stepping in to fill the void and they're all getting their butts kicked because they're not trained. They're basically going in with Halloween masks. So um, eventually Daredevil will be called back into service, you know, sooner rather than later. Cause I felt like they were touting, Hey, there's going to be, it won't be Matt Murdock, but it's going to be this new Daredevil that's taken over. You know, that's going to be in place. And I wonder if they're not grooming this detective North guy to do it. Right. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, you know, they're also they also seem to be going in that direction of uh, reinvigorating Matt Murdock. So, yeah, gotcha. And we still don't know whether this cold Earth has any relation to Dakota. Right, we don't know. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Rapid fear. Rapid fire. <laughs> so actually, I'm going to start off because I want to kind of pick up somewhat off of that last book, even though I don't have it in directly in my notes. Web of Black Widow, number four. Um, and uh, we will have some news ten, 
sort kind of sort of maybe possibly um related to this book we don't we still have yet to figure that out yet but once we get to the cinematic version you'll know if you already know um so it starts off with uh actually net in matt murdoch's apartment because this whole book has been about you know her dealing with things from the past uh one and there's this other black black widow going around with her face uh to which at the end of this book we find out who that is um but along the ride, you know, she's already she's already um, run into Winter Soldier. So in this one, she's run into Daredevil or AKA Matt Murdock, um, who's, you know, being Matt Murdock, because you know how he is when it's about people he cares about, you know. And then she runs around and turns into, of course, one of her other exes who um, whom she's had a good relationship or who she's had a relationship on and off the screen in, in a way. And that would be when Clint Barton Hawkeye, who um, gets wind of her dealings and comes to bring her in, and you know their history gets gets brought up. Of course, going back to Iron Man, which they both were uh, both uh, villains in the early days of, and they even footnote that it there in this book. And there's um, a couple of scuffles happens between them, so maybe in misunderstanding or two. And then, like at the end of the book, we find out. Um, who this other widow is, uh, and it is a person from her past, of course, that uh, has been going around impersonating her. Uh, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it now, because this will probably come up later, may or may not have something to do with the movie that's coming out. Okay. I don't know that for certain, but it just kind of, the theme seems to be going that way. Uh, that being said, next book is, talk about those, 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 uh, X-Men number three, uh, which I know Agent 70 has not read, so I won't spoil it for him. Uh, this is basically another min- uh, mission, actually with um, um, Sebastian Shaw, uh, Emma Frost, and Scott um, going to deal with some shenanigans in the, the uh, Savage Land because they have a portal there which someone hacked. Uh, for a particular reason, and they have to go and investigate. And it's also almost literally reverberating with Krakoa, who apparently feeds off psychic energy. So therefore, it's a it's a threat in a couple of different ways. Um, and um, to some somewhat hilarious, um, um, there's a couple of uh, pretty. I don't want to say hilarious. Hilarious is, is pretty hyperbolic these days, especially with articles and whatnot. But it's pretty funny. Uh, some dialogue that's going on, and the fact that they're what they're who and what they're dealing with kind of gets the best of them in a, in a ways. And yes, it, this is on a human front, so you know, there's they still have that thing kind of tacking on them, or which I guess is going to come back. Um, if the end of the, the issues, any indication is going to come back and, and be an issue on another front, as if you know, as if the X Men already didn't already have enough. Uh, coming at them, but otherwise, that it's a it's a pretty good. I this is my particular quick work, and it's a, it's a great one. I I thought um, magnificent Miss Marvel number ten, which I don't have in my notes, but I did read. I literally finished reading this as we were prepping. You did because you and I both have been on this, on top of this book. Um. So yeah, this is um continuation of last issue. Mr. Hatch, she's uh Kamala's chasing Mr. Hyde uh 
as her father's undergoing surgery from Doctor Strange uh, to try to, you know, fix what is going on with whatever illness he's going on, which has something to do with his inhuman genes. Uh, which you know we don't get we don't get anything final from that, even though it it kind of seemed like we were going to, but I guess they they're gonna drag it off for one more issue. But we what we do find out, which is something I thought would have been. Um, I thought they would have left this for a couple more issues. We come to find out uh, there's more to, which we already knew there was more to Kamala's suit than what we knew about it. And we kind of feel like we called it even when we first uh, yeah. come across it. And it comes to find out that, yeah, that's kind of a case where the suit, while being a different origin from Spidey's symbiote suit, kind of has a similar thing going on to it. So they don't stray too far away from that. And we come to find that out at the end of this issue. Right. I mean, the cover of the issue in which the costume was introduced was an homage to Secret Wars number eight yep. itself. So the, uh, the the hints were there from yeah. the beginning and they were yeah, it was definitely not it was definitely kind of out there. Like and we like that even when we read the issue and saw that even outside of seeing that, like, OK, yeah, this seemed like this is where this was going. So it, it was just kind of telegraphed, basically. Right. And it's obviously different, but there's, you know, it's definitely more tech-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, when I read it, I was like, oh Yeah, that's kind of a bummer, but at the same time, maybe they'll still, like, well, hey, Saladin Sol- Sol- Ahmed's a great writer. I feel like he might throw a spin in there. Yeah, we'll see. So, um, that, that'll, that'll make this different, but, yeah, as we know it now, there's definitely similarities. Um, that, again, surprisingly, came out earlier than I, I suspected it would. I figured they would have dragged it on a little bit longer than that, but nevertheless, here we go. In the midst of what else is going on, sure. Uh, and that, I guess, will be it for me. All right, so uh, President Bartlett, what's next? I'm gonna hit the few that I've got, and then I'll read through what PCN underscore Dirt has for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the books that I have are. Um, I read two of the Annihilation Scourge books out this week. Um, the first one, and it's actually, I think it's important to read Annihilation Scourge Fantastic Four number one first. Because. I believe this is also in the reading order. So it seems that it seems that it's important. It's, it's somewhat important to read it first because uh annihilation scourge nova number one seems to follow in the footsteps of the ff book so um i won't spoil too much i think uh roddy cat plans on reading this i will just say since we we talked about the scourge one shot two weeks ago um our theories regarding the century were debunked in this issue okay that's so maybe it, to know what's that i said maybe that's good to know i don't know Right. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you'll see how. Right. We'll see how. So I'm not really spoiling too much. Um, in the Nova issue, uh, Nova is shook from his time in the cancer ver- cancer verse. Um, so he's, uh, you know, he's kind of a halfway crook that way. I feel and- like I feel like I called that one also because they because even though there was been some of that, like you said, has been dealt with in the Nova book before. I feel like he was still had some of that on him. Right. He's definitely got some PTSD. Um, from his time in the Cancerverse and having been possessed by um, uh, some entity from the Cancerverse, and that actually is dealt with in this issue. Um, and he's not facing about—he's not happy about facing uh, the Revengers again. Um, 
you know, along with the Sentry, who's a a, a, a prime character in the Scourge uh, crossover event. Uh, let's see. Oh, that pretty much covers it for my rapid fire books. I'm just going to just do a quick overview of um, PCN underscore Dirt's books. I actually did read Batman number 84. Uh, I, de- I definitely agree with many of PCN underscore Dirt's following sentiments. Ah, wasted a whole issue on flashbacks to show why Thomas Wayne uh, turned against Bruce. And it still doesn't make sense. Thanks for stealing another $4 from me, Tom King. Um, The next book I'm going to discuss is actually a candidate for Dirt's Click of the Week. And that is Over the Ropes number one. It looks like it's a comicsology uh, digital comic. And it is a very real look at the quote, fake unquote look world of professional wrestling. So much of this rings true and even mirrors some things he himself has experienced um, as part of uh, uh, the world of uh, professional wrestling. Good story, fun art style, certainly a must for any wrestling fan. Sounds cool. Interesting. And the last book that PCN underscore Dirt read this week was The Butcher of Paris Number 1, another comicsology digital comic. This is the true story of a serial killer who used the Nazi occupation of France to hide his murder spree. It was paced very well, and the art invokes the classic French comic style. It's honestly better than he anticipated. It's a good book for horror fans and history buffs looking for one of the greatest forgotten serial killers of all time. Okay. I'm actually glad to see uh, Dirt. um... Uh Uh-oh. I mean, do that. I'm actually glad to see him um, going through this complex because there are some actually some gems in those in the original stuff that unfortunately, you know, won't get wide press or or much else because they're there and they don't get uh, and they're digital exclusives one and they're they're on the cosmology, which you know which means they don't get um, you know they they don't get the exposure uh, exposure yeah uh, of the print books. So and like I said, like I said, there's usually some gems in there at, at some point. So it's worth going in there to check some things out if you have like uh, comes out of the unlimited or whatnot, because you never know. You might be able to find some stuff. You got it. All righty. So I think we're coming up on clicks of the week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got two weeks worth to go with, at least for some of us, anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do our we'll do our clicks for last week first. Yes. Because uh our co-host did not submit clicks of the week for last week. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with I'm gonna go ahead and go with uh <laughs> nice. I'm gonna go ahead and go with New Mutants number two. I enjoyed that book. That was good. Yeah, that was good. That was good. Listen, I have I'm I'm in between like three books for for myself because i had a lot of fun reading jane foster valkyrie yes a lot of fun reading that i, I definitely enjoy reading that book all the time oh, I, yeah we had a mention about that one was is is it's the end of the arc and it ends on a a better note for her right so right i also i also agree with your with your choice of new mutants number two i like that i'm really 
that's really um, a, a, a good contest. And I like that X Force number two was mm-hmm. a solid follow up to the first issue, to the events of the first issue. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was playing the 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 uh, the final Jeopardy clock because I am actually in between these three books and I'm not sure what I'm going to pick. And I want to mention something we forgot to mention about Avenger 27. Um, um, Hulk, aka She-Hulk, got a new costume out of the deal, which is pretty much seemed to be the most revealing costume she's had to date. In this new incarnation? Uh, I think ever, but yes. Really? <laughs> I, would, I mean, if you go back to, through the course of her... You know her costumes over the age, like she's pretty much had definitely had more clothes on than than that. Really, but, but I feel like it anyway. Um, I mean, obviously, classic. She had the one piece, you know, you know, uh, most of the times. But this one was like, okay. But supposedly, I, and actually, I mentioned in my notes, I'm like, okay, so they really don't they don't know how to they still don't remember, know how to costume. Jokingly, still said that they don't know how to costume women in, anymore. But you know, it's she Hulk. Whatever she wore outside of the unstable. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, especially with her new physique or with her more bulked up physique, you know. Right, right. But still, that's like you couldn't give her a little bit more than that. <laughs> Not complaining, but no, hey, love me some Shulky, but <laughs> all right, exactly. All right, um, we've stalled long enough. I've got to make a decision between these three books. I am going to go with. Oh man, how do you like them apples? Jane Foster, Valkyrie number five. <laughs> that came in a close for the close second was probably X Force number two and New Mutants number two tied. I mean, not a bad pick, regardless. Yeah, Jane Foster, Valkyrie number five is my click for click of the week for last week. Or Valkyrie, Jane Foster number five, whichever exactly. they still, that's still that's still a weird one because they have it in a couple of ways differently. Exactly, exactly, exactly. All right, so now we move on to clicks of the week for this week. And we have some clicks provided by our co-hosts in Absentia. Indeed. And the first one being uh, PC underscore Dirt with, um, I guess, no surprise, Over the Ropes number one, which uh, um, Agent Under Skip 70 read his notes off for, so we don't have to really go back on that. Right, 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 right. And, and uh, Tim, D-O-double-G-9-8 submitted X-Men number three as his click of the week for this week. And he, as he said himself, that's the only one he read, so not to put him out there like that. But I, even regardless, like I said, I enjoyed that one also, and that is also a potential click of the week for me, y'all. All right, all right, all right. That's nice. All right. Uh, what am I going to pick for this week? This week's a little tougher for me. I, I'm going to miss this morning voice, I tell you. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, we if we recorded at 5 o'clock in the morning before I had to get up to go to work, that would be something else. Yeah, all right. So let's see here. Uh, what did I enjoy this week? Uh, it was a little tougher for me to find something this week. I wonder if um, what would I put in for this week? It's a good question. So it was a lot this week, and you know, due to various things and that being a lot of them, we couldn't get to everything that we wanted to read this week. But you know. I, I would like to believe, just, just like uh, myself, Agent Seventy has a has a plan when he goes through his books, and I think pretty much everybody does. You know, a certain order they they like to go into for one reason or another. Right, and I definitely missed out on reading a couple of things like the latest Ragnarok, 
Mm-hmm. The assignments and stuff that came out this week, the latest Ragnarok and the Thor, uh, the Worthy book. So right. it was surprising that I didn't get to it, but we also didn't want to overwhelm uh, the show with uh, a million books for each week. So, right. Um, time constraints, you know. Yeah, so. Exactly, exactly. Time constraints being what they are. I think what I'm going to choose from what I have read this week, probably Daredevil number 14. Although I did love Black Cat number seven, and I'm actually thinking twice about what I just said. But I think Daredevil, Daredevil number 14 is probably the strongest book uh, that I read this week. Hmm. Okay. Um, for me, it's, and this is weird for me to say, it's, well, it's not even weird because I've been loving this run of the Xbox, but, and I'm not classically, I'm more of the Avengers fair than, you know, than the X-Men uh, historically. But there have been runs of X-Men that I've enjoyed. That being said, um, out of the stuff that I've read, I guess the, the more compelling stuff has been the, out of the X-Corner. And I guess I'm, you know what, I will go with Tim on that one because I, I very much enjoyed that X-Men 3, uh, X-Men number 3 book because it was nice. quite humorous. Very, very nice. So with that, we will transition to the cinematic news. But first... Our first ad read of the night. Our first ad read of the night is for My Comic Shop. Today's podcast is sponsored by My Comic Shop. Go to cspn.us, then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, click on the My Comic Shop banner and order from a vast selection of new releases of back issues, vintage classics, graphic novels, and more to be delivered right to your door. You should support your local comic shop. But if you are unlucky and do not have a local comic shop to support, then you can order your books online through My Comic Shop through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Probably what I want to do, and probably something that should have I've been should have done already. But like, just clip out the ad uh, as he, and just let it be canned like that. But right. do things can like that. But I think this specific one I might end up doing. <laughs> we'll see how lazy I get, but we'll see about that. But let's get into the cinematic news, as you said. Um, as I pull up the sheet, yeah, as I scroll and scroll through the sheet because we have two weeks of books for everybody. So we did indeed. And I tried to do my best to kind of put some stuff in that. So if you are, um, if you do have the show notes, which I hopefully will be uh, in the post uh, uh, on both the video and uh, on CSPN.us, which I don't think I actually remember saying at the top of the show, but CSPN.us and uh, other places. Uh, but we'll get to that later. Uh, you will see that the, there's a chock full of stuff news-wise and also in the clickbait section, which you should go check out because there's some really notable stuff that uh, you, you might want to check out. So, CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths Key Art Unites the DC Multiverse. Uh, if you're watching the video, you can see the, the picture in question. Um, so, yeah, all of the disparate parts of uh, the, the, the Arrowverse come together on one poster. And um, I'm still not caught up on that yet, so, yeah. All right. 
that's uh actually that's next week, folks. Uh, so if you hadn't been caught up, if you're not caught up by now, like me, maybe get caught up soon if you're interested, still interested, because we know that's right. Soon. Next, there is a report that Stargirl is going to debut on the CW's Crisis crossover. So this is actually according to Business Insider, and um. Stargirl, which is supposed to stream on the DC Universe streaming service, mm-hmm. is going to also appear in Crisis on Infinite Earths, which will bring together the Arrowverse heroes. And, um, you know, the announcement also had something about the slew of special cameo appearances by previous iterations of these characters from other DC-related uh, shows. Which may or may not give credence to a rumor from a while back that said that... Um... Possibly the DC Universe uh, versions of like will were supposedly showing up on Crisis of Infinite Earths, which I think had been debunked, especially the Titans part. Right. But this is kind of giving a little bit more credence on one side of that, right? Which is also weird. It's like okay, so this one gets it, but gets to so she gets to come on. But if this is even true, like it's still a report at this point. But they didn't do Titans, which, you know, Titans is a little bit more adult. I think that's why. Well, yeah, but hey, we don't know what she they're doing with this one. I was about to say, let's not talk about. Did we did we put anything in there about the Titans season two wrapping up? Uh, I you know what? I'm, uh, there is something about Titans, yes, but I'm not sure if it's about. Titans. I will rant and rave. I I honestly thought about doing a Treasury edition to talk about this. So yeah, I still need to catch up. Um, yeah. I, I heard things. So, but um, uh, speaking of, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, the CW to air Stargirl reruns a day after their DC Universe debut. So that's interesting. Well, that's uh, cool to get uh, exposure. Yes, exactly. Which I feel like, when I mean, granted, so Titans originally was supposed to be on like TNT or something like or, or something like that before they decided to put it on to DC Universe. I'm kind of slight, still slightly surprised that they didn't do that. Even though like that is a little more dating, but TNT would have been probably a better place than not for that. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I guess the direction they're going with this one, I guess it would make sense for them to put it on CW. And if the other, the, the last story is to, is to be true, um, then yeah, they're going to, they're, they're, sure, it makes some sort of sense, I guess. I'm like, okay. Yeah, basically. Um, obviously, we're probably going to be on CWC also, which is their other streaming service. But you know, it, was, it is what it is on that. So, but like you said, it's more exposure. Next, the Flash's mid-season finale is building to the first chapter of Crisis on Infinite Earth. So this is uh this week, mm-hmm. which I think was probably has um aired already. Yes. So you would have probably already have seen that by the time this uh, by the time you get to this this show, right? And if you haven't, time to catch up. Basically, like we just said, uh, long time the Adam fan Osric Chow on bringing Ryan Choi to the CW Arrowverse for Crisis on Infinite Earths. So yes, this is uh, apparently at the time of this uh, article went out, they still haven't fitted him for a suit, which is weird. So, uh, yeah, so he's playing Ryan Chor, the other Adam. Um, uh, but this was basically an article with him about his, you know, uh, uh, about him, his, you know, being a fan of the Adam one and being able to, to bring him to life, I guess. 
I didn't, I didn't really go through the whole article, admittedly. Okay. So I remember reading, uh, I feel like I read like the first issue or two of that run of the Atom, which was a uh, Gail Simone written. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I guess Rick Rantmaster also writ, uh, helped created them, but I do remember the, the series where Gail Simone wrote. Gail Simone wrote. I'm like, yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, next up, uh, the Arrowverse may be headed for a big post-crisis time jump. So in the aftermath of this uh, Crisis on Infinite Earth story, um, I'm not sure if, they, if the article has something about the, the, the amount of a time jump, but there is a rumor that it's going to be going that way. Right. So apparently because of this, the so Arrow is going to end, I guess. Um, well, we know Arrow is going to end and it sounds like, uh, yeah, according to this, the final episode of the Arrow is going to end after the event uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. So assuming that being the case, whatever happens then. Uh, and if rumors are to be true, I guess there, there's probably a reason for that because there are some rumors, especially dealing with uh, Green Arrow and his involvement with the, um, with the uh, with the event. That might lead some, some credence to it. It's leading up to a finality in a couple of different ways. Let's say, so we'll see if that holds true. Uh, Smallville's Lois Lane talks to Bizarre Crisis Reunion. Speaking of Lois Lane, that came out this week and I didn't get a chance to read it and I'm upset with myself because I've been loving that book. Uh, Erica Durant, who played um, who played Lois Lane on Smallville, you know, basically there's an article talking about, you know, um, you know, her doing this uh, reunion with her Smallville cohorts and in this big event, Crisis on Infinite Earths. You can check that out, you know. Which, if you read Internet Weekly, you probably already have. But if you haven't, hey, there you go. This this article kind of paraphrases all that. Next, all righty. Um, Smallville's Aquaman explains why he is not in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So this is actually the actor who plays Hawk in the new in the current Titans show, mm-hmm. uh, Alan Richson. So basically, he said that uh, he was busy. He was he was offered the opportunity to come back and return as Aquaman um, for Arrow, you know, in the Arrowverse. But uh, he was unfortunately too busy filming Titans at the same exact time. Which I did not know that was him, to be honest. But then yeah, I didn't. There, I only watched so much Smallville, and once they started doing that whole Super Friends thing, I think I had already checked out by that time and i could have sworn i i I confused this dude with the guy that's on now on uh this is us uh justin hartley i believe in them who's also on a uh, soap opera that uh i used to watch uh and i know he played green arrow i believe on smallville if i'm not mistaken but i thought he was the one who also played because he was supposed to get um uh an aquaman spinoff from Smallville that never happened. I think they shot a pilot or didn't something happened in that and didn't happen, but it's apparently it was this dude. That didn't happen. So it is what it is. But hey, he's he's Hawk now. So yay. 
Supergirl star Melissa Benoist opens up about her experience with domestic violence. So, yeah, this uh, happened, uh, excuse me, actually the day before uh, Thanksgiving where this uh, where this happened. She was on uh, Instagram's IGTV and revealed her history as a survivor of domestic violence. And, um, you know, as the internet tends to do, had words about it, for better or for worse. So... And and um, as an addendum, I think some of her co uh, co um, co stars also, you know, lend their support to her for you know for coming out with her story. So, and I believe one of them may have might be in the story, and probably not, but no, but this, but that stuff is out there regardless. So, there is that. Uh, next up, uh, regarding Titans. Uh, Warner Brothers revealed a first official look at the Nightwing suit that made its debut in the final episode of Titan Season 2. All right, go. I'm not going to rant because there's too much. <laughs> there's too much. Okay. We're trying to keep our tidy show, our, 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 our two-week worth of uh, stuff show tidy. I mean, you um, felt like you had something to say. Go ahead I, may, I may reserve this for... Um, uh, either I might do a post for the uh, on on the Click Nation website. It might be uh, a lengthy Twitter rant. It might be an Instagram post. We will see. It might uh, be a treasure I, edition. I don't know if I want to warrant. You know, if I want to record an entire treasure edition on this, maybe a one of the hear, ones. If you want to hear, see that agent underscore seventy on Twitter. There you go. Uh, next up, Beast Boy visits his Doom Patrol pan, pan, family in Teen Titans Go. Um, so yeah, apparently a recent, uh, episode, I guess it was a recent episode of, uh, Teen Titans Go. Oh yeah, it's already aired. So yeah. So, and I guess it was a, um, that's what's up airing tomorrow, which is already passed. Uh, it's a slight adaptation of Doom Patrol for the Teen Titans Go continuity, yet still retaining their customary weirdness. It's not the first time we've seen Doom Patrol animated in Teen Titans Go style. That's true. Um, Young Justice Outside the Fan will re- recall that producers Greg Weissman and Brandon Vietti uh, paid tribute to TGG's show, particularly since TGG gave some Young Justice love a years back uh, by featuring a Doom Patrol Go fantasy sequence in an Outsiders episode earlier this re- year. I do remember that, actually. Okay. Actually, you should, too, because it was uh, the Young Justice episode where they did that. I think so. Yeah. It was uh, surrounding Beast Boy. But anyway, mm-hmm. so, cool. Yeah, that was a, this thing that happened, and uh, I'm assume, I was assuming it was like Thanksgiving-related, but uh, may or may not be. I'm not sure. Regardless, that was the thing that's out there. Next. All right, something I did not watch and did not realize was coming out over the Thanksgiving weekend. I did uh, watch it. <laughs> what if Harley Quinn left the Joker but ended up in the Legion of Doom? Apparently, that's what's happening in the upcoming DC Universe. Well, the now current right DC Universe animated series Harley Quinn. It uh, debuted this previous Friday, November 29th. And um, what they're teasing... The showrunners are teasing or dangling a Harley Poison Ivy romance for the show's future. Which, why dangle that when this already should be a thing? I don't know. I'm pretty sure there's some people saying that. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a thing. Uh, which was that? The next article, actually? No. Okay, DC Universe's Harley Quinn reinvents one major Batman villain. 
Um, the upcoming Harley Quinn animated series will offer a whole new take on the Batman villain Bane, which I believe they've already um, um, had their sights on Kite Man because I thought I saw a still of Kite Man into the picture. Also, uh, if you're watching the video, you will also see, which is another, uh, would have been another article that I decided not to put in there. Bernie the, the, um, Bernie the Beaver also shows up on the show, which if you've read uh, Harley Quinn's, um, not necessarily the most recent volume, but the the, the this um, the last couple of iterations of, that's probably this one, I'm kind of a little behind, but basically the, the current iteration of the Harley Quinn book uh, in volumes past had a beaver, a stuffed beaver named uh, Bernie. So they decided to put it in the, in the, um, the show. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Next. Alrighty. Uh, next up, uh, John Turturro, the actor, is joining the Batman as mobster Carmine Falcone. So, so there's been some very silly people are reacting to this in a very stupid way. Why? Yeah. Because now most of us of a certain vintage, or not even of a certain vintage, know John Turturro to be a fine actor. You know, a very well-noted actor. Sure. But, uh, and I believe one um, feature that was going around was him from The the Big Lebowski, which is an older, um, an older, as a matter of fact, yes, here we go, from Matt Reed specifically, he said uh, his, his, on his Twitter when the, the announcement came out, he said, I said, Carmine, hashtag Carmine Falcone, and then there's a clip of uh, him from The Big Lebowski, which is an old movie. And some people took that. There was like, well, why would they get him? Basically, it was like, why would they get him? Why didn't they get somebody good or something? There was a whole bunch of stupid people who apparently don't know his chops talking about why he, you know, why he shouldn't have. Awful. It's Pino. It's also Kanish. <laughs> exactly. You know, like I'm talking about do the right thing and rounders. Exactly. So the, the, the yes, the man has had has has mucho chops. So it was like, okay, you're gonna get somebody, maybe possibly chew up some scene or one or two, but you know, I'd say that was a pretty good choice. <laughs> and I gotta do we don't we still don't even know what this what this Batman movie's gonna right. fully be. But regardless, there's definitely some talent. Right. The one the one quibble I could understand is that I think the animated Carmine Falcone was uh, depicted as more of a kingpin uh, uh, build type of guy. But like even the Gotham version of uh, Falcone was kind of he's not like big base stock here, but he kind of had a, a weight about him. OK. You know, I mean, I could understand that, but that's a minor quibble at this point. Well, yeah. So you know, because he's not known for being like it's not like it's not like you're 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 casting somebody skinny to be kingpin, you know. Right. Well, I mean, technically, they kind of did, even though. Well, never mind. Oh, no, they haven't. They never have. I know. Well, I know. Well, listen, I'm just saying that yeah. D'Onofrio, while not like big, big, he was not small either. Yeah, he's not a small. I was like, you don't remember him from uh, what you call it, Full Metal? Oh no, I totally do. Oh no, <laughs> that's why. That's why I try to. Yeah. Himself. Like he's not like big, big. Like he was bigger when he did. Um, he was basically more king size, king king pain size when he was doing full metal jacket, full right. metal, yeah, full metal jacket, and he was young then. Right, right, right. He was when you know he was doing kingpin. Yeah, he was definitely like a big early dude when he was doing Law and Order. Exactly. 
So, you know, but anyway, just, you know, hey, ton, John Turturro, whatever. Hey, he, the man's good. So let it let it ride. All right. Next up, J.J. Uh, Abrams courted for a new Superman film, according to a report. And this is where I say why, because he already has his film, his 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 hands in too much other stuff the way he should, probably shouldn't at this point. Then they couldn't find anyone else to do anything. Now, granted, this is a report. We don't even know who's making it, but huh? He's coming off Star Wars. What else is he working on? Oh, it doesn't matter. He has worked on Star Wars. He's worked on Star Trek. He's his productions companies has something to do with um with uh, Mission Impossible, which granted that's a minor franchise at this point, but still, he has had his, his hands on some big franchises. And I'm just my thing was like, okay, you, you couldn't find somebody else to do this outside of him. Which I know why you would do it because it's JJ Abrams and he's a big name. But right. they, could, they could try to find somebody else to do some things. Right. Well, the 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 uh, the, the newer person that they have doing some things in their studio is Ava DuVernay, and she has recently given an update tongue in cheek about the New Gods movie. And um I like that segue. That's good. Uh you know, she's uh the update is she's writing with Tom King like writing with Tom King is like Barda in a battle, strong and fearing no man. Okay, yeah, she's you know Ava DuVernay, a noted big Barda fan, and I'm not even joking when I say that because she's come out on a few occasions saying that. Which, who doesn't love big Barda? Crazy people. That's who. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, uh, that's that's um that's a good sign, hopefully. Um, Infinity War deleted scenes reunited reunites Hulk and Black Widow, and whether it felt so good, we don't know. So, so yeah, a new deleted scene from Avengers Infinity War finds Hulk and Black Widow reuniting. I'm assuming this is probably on DC Universe. I don't know because I haven't really checked. DC Universe? You mean Disney? Oh, Plus. Sorry, Disney Plus. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was about to say, I'm like, because it's on it the crossover. But no. Um, Hey, they both start with D. Um, Funny. But yeah, Disney Plus may have, because I haven't really looked at the extra stuff they, they have on there, but I know they do have some stuff. To, but anyway, regardless, uh, Bruce Banner and the Hulk had some problems during the course of the movie, and the Infinity Saga was released, recently released, and it's proving to be difficult for Marvel's cinematic uh, universe fans to track down. It's available from a third-party seller's for an astronomical amount, so hopefully, oh, so basically, I guess this is from that big box, right? Uh, right, right, right. Um, will either make more or at the very least release a version that is not limited edition, so all fans could check out the deleted scenes from the MCU, or they will probably put it on Disney Plus. Right, it'll be on on a release at some point. Yeah. So. All right. So in um, in- that which is surprising for me because obviously those a lot of fans would have probably had all those movies already. So therefore, you wouldn't you would think that you know this wouldn't have moved as much as it did. Or I want to juice gift Blu-ray box sets. Well, this is also true. So that probably won't happen until after the holidays because they want to juice sales of gift Blu-ray box sets. Because you know what happens with those. You know, for for fans who uh, got DVD sets or Blu-ray sets, you know, or or just collected as they went along, they might pass those on to family, friends, or recycle them or or, or sell them. So that's true. Right. You know, to get the collector's edition, so artificial scarcity. Anyway, next um, up, um, 
I was about to say, next up is the big news from this past week regarding uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that is the trailer, the, the first teaser trailer for the Black Widow movie set to drop this May came out. And it came out overnight. And none of <laughs> it, we woke up to it, basically. Yeah, I just saw the tweet from Tim. Was like he, somebody, he almost threw. A, I'm assuming spit up or or do a spit take. But his 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 tweet was differently worded uh, when he saw what time it was. And I was like, yeah, that was a weird timing because when I saw it, when I was got up that early, I'm like, that's a weird time to to push this out. It was like one or two in the morning, and I ended up cracking awake at like five something. Yeah, I was kind of up around that time too. Yeah, and I saw the notification as I was turning my alarm off on my phone, and I was like, "Whoa, what is that?" Yeah, I was like, "Okay, they're just well, I guess Black Widow's about stealth, so why not?" Exactly. <laughs> it was like, "Hey, good morning, you guys, yeah, good morning to you guys," you know, and you know, I could watch it a couple times on the way in, and I surely did. So, yeah. and assuming you did too, what do you think? Absolutely, I liked it. It was good. I liked that there was a nice uh, feel to it. There actually was a, a feel to it. Mm -hmm. Definitely was. And going back to what I was alluding to earlier with Web of Black Widow, which I do not know if it has anything to do with it. All I saw was one possibly joking tweet from Declan Shalvey and the writer of the current Black Widow book saying, basically, hey, <laughs> there's a multi-million dollar trailer about the about this character. Lucky dog. Yeah. You know. So that thought that was funny. But from what I've seen in the trailer, it does seem like there are some stuff that happened in the book that that is uh, that kind of sort of played off in this trailer. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's not outside of the realm of possibly of something that wouldn't have happened in the past. Let's just gotcha. say, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, uh, or in other, you know, in other um, miniseries, because it's not like so. Lenola uh, Belova, Yelena Belova shows up obviously because you know there's that, and then. Alexi Red Guardian shows up also, who I thought looked like dirt. I don't know if he got the joke or not. When I, I did, I did. Yeah, I don't know if sure if he if he if he did or appreciated it when I when I when I put that out there. But regardless, I'm like, huh, okay, so there's that. But regardless, you know, like Riddle's Path. The only thing I think, well, no, Hawkeye did show up, so there is that. So yeah, this is kind of hitting on those beats. We still there's some still some questions about. Uh, this, but as I've seen another article basically saying that hey, they possibly could have set up a way for to bring her back. To which, so did Secret Empire, and so did the well, basically, so did Secret Empire. So. Right, right. So we don't know if they would do that yet. Exactly. But yeah, it was a good trailer, and I, I enjoyed it. You know, I liked it. Just it, it is weird to see this trailer that's still being a thing now, and because we should have probably had this movie years ago. But here's what it is. Stanley Tribute coming to ABC. Um, so apparently ABC will air a tribute uh, to the late comic book writer uh, Excelsior Stanley on December 20th. It's titled um, Celebrating Marvel's Stan Lee, the one-hour special hosted by Clark Gregg, a.k.a. Coulson. Will explore the life and creation of the legendary Lee who passed away in December or in November 2018. Right. This was filmed during uh, right after uh, New York Comic Con wrapped. Mm. So uh, if you happen to see on social media, you happen to see the, some of the, the exclusive comics. Remember, do you remember that exclusive comic that Adam Kubert wouldn't sign? Uh, but I guess. 
Okay. That's where this is from. So this this uh, was at a theater in New York City, um, and it was held right after um, New York Comic Con. So a lot of industry folks were already in town for the con, and they stuck around for uh, the filming of this special. So cool. You know, I'm glad to be able to see it on TV. I would have loved to be at the special, though, at the filming, though. Right. The actual show. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that would have been cool. Um, and I need to catch up on Agents of Shield because I think that's about to go up to here also. Uh, but next up, next up, Josh Trank uh, reviews his own Fantastic Four film, gives it a generous, 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 <laughs> and I mean generous. I still have yet to see this movie. Two stars. You got to let me finish. Two. Oh, you were taking all. <laughs> I mean, generous. I mean, and even yeah. So the movie that was panned, some part rightfully, some part very unfairly, um, you know, by by folks out and about. Apparently, he monthly gave himself that that score. For his movie, which what else was he supposed to do? Was he going to give it five stars? Probably, but then you know he would have caught hell for that, right? So, and surprisingly, he didn't go middle row with three stars. So, I guess maybe he's humble enough to 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 um, to you know to admit that that it wasn't a great movie. Hopefully, but you know, there's an episode of what he said about it, and apparently, this is coming from. Um, his letterboxed review of the film, which I don't know what that is. I guess it's a site apparently to, to this link or something. Whatever, but you can go check that out and say what he says in full about it. He even goes on jokingly to ponder the possibility of a trank cut. Oh no. Before saying, I'm not Zack Snyder, da, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. So yes. Haha. <laughs> Very funny. Funny. Next up, Marvel's Hellstrom adds Arrow alum in recurring role. So David Munier, I hope I'm saying that right, plays oh right, the, the Russian broad for dude, um Gregor on Arrow, uh, Ishmael Gregor, has on joined the cast of the upcoming Hulu series Marvel's Hellstrom, which the last we checked was still kind of up in the air, I thought, given one report. But I guess they're still going along with it. So anyway, he'll according to Deadline, he will start as Finn Miller, who is quote unquote a part of a secret organization that handles work not for the faint of heart. Sounds like wet work to me. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, cool. I guess that's still a thing that's going to happen. Next. Uh. Next up, um. Disney Plus is having some new stuff come to the service. Um, you know, in addition to the uh, the original content that is content that is released every week, like The Mandalorian and High School Musical, the musical, the series, uh, which drop every Friday, we're also getting um, some Disney Junior titles that are coming from other streaming services, like um, Miles from Tomorrowland and Henry Huggle Monster. We're uh, we're also getting a basketball movie, Glory Road, as well as coming. Uh, straight off of its run on Netflix, Thor Ragnarok and Alice Through the Looking Glass and also Garfield because Fox. Right. Which, wow. 
Um, also, Star vs. the Force of Evil, that's, that's coming on there, and a bunch of other stuff. We don't have to go through the whole list, and some Marvel, a couple of Marvel Rising things. Some of it's already out, because it's, it's as we're recording, it is the fifth, and some of it has already come out, and some of it's kind of like the Mandalorian and like Agent uh, 76 coming out weekly, or whatever the case may be. So, And of course, that Jeff Globum, Globum, uh thing, which I still haven't watched yet, but I hear good things. But right. it's from people who already like Jeff Globum, because... It'll be nice to see uh, uh, Ragnarok kind of fill that slot on the Marvel movie, on the MCU list, so. Right. Because there's not that much left that needs to be filled on. Although, well, yeah. Panther, I was going to say Panther and Infinity War. Those are two. Well, yeah, I know, Matt, but outside of that stuff, like, yeah. I think, actually, I hadn't really looked, because I think there's some even some older stuff that may not have, might may be out there, but I, I'm maybe blanking uh one thing actually real quick before i go on there's one thing that i noticed that wasn't there is the jindy tartowski's um clone war series right so i was like i wondered why that's not there which that seems to overtype because it basically runs directly into episode three which is on the site right it's, um, it's um, kind of it's kind of, you know like i wonder if they're holding off until january i don't know We'll yeah, see. it seemed, but it still seems weird for that one, given like that since it does directly go into, but at the same time, you could probably make some of the cases out for some of the Marvel movies, I guess, even though some of that stuff is still tied up in other places. So, um, yeah, but yeah, it is what it is. And there's some still stuff that's kind of order, 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 and that jobby, but we've kind of talked about that in the past. Mm-hmm. The Mandalorian demand surges in debut week, but trails to Stranger Things, DC's Titans. So a weird thing happened when this when um the reason why I pulled this up because I know I saw some chatter out there on the Twitters. Um somebody was like, and granted this person I feel like has a biased bias in one way, shape, or form. I won't go into that, but they were basically saying that um DC's Titan, which which has been out for a year, mind you. Um, they were surprised that DC that the Mandalorian was not beating out <coughs> the Titans again. Titans has been out for a year already, and granted, yeah, the, 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 whether you have that particular service or not, and and I get what they were trying to say, which was like, yeah, Star Wars, you know, Star Wars seems to be a bigger thing than what not, but at the same time, it was like one, the first episode, and two against the show that's been out for a year. I feel like that that's a comparison that probably is a little off right i would also just add quickly that i think um the economics of getting another streaming service is still a factor because in my thanksgiving conversations with family i was surprised to hear surprised honestly surprised Mm -hmm. certain family members who still have little kids in their family not getting disney plus right away Right. And I was honestly very surprised by that. So I think the economics of uh, adding yet another streaming service has started to kick in just a bit right. with some people. So I think that's oh, okay. also a factor. I right. didn't know that was a factor with DC Universe, but at least with DC Universe, you're getting comics. So, right. Um, and even and, and even with that, because you remember there was a story a couple of weeks back when we, um, when we, when we last recorded that the, there was a surge in people getting just DC Universe. I mean, uh, excuse me, Disney Plus when it first came out. Like it right. had a big uptick when it came out, as opposed to people like us who had already gotten into it. Like you know, when they had announced it and put put it up for pre-orders or whatever, or right, 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 time ago. But apparently, when it came out, people were like, "Oh, it's out!" So, boom, which was a surprise, but was not a surprise. 
um, in some way, shape, or form. So, yeah, it's it's kind of weird how the how that stuff works out. And yeah, like you said, people are still trying to shake out their their streaming services. What they're doing about that? So. Exactly. Like they're they're basically trying to manage which streaming services they're going to get. So, mm-hmm. so totally totally valid because there's a lot out there, and you know, it's not all worth it. Right. So speaking um, of Mandalorian, though, mm-hmm. uh, the show makes amends for a classic Star Wars plot hole. So this is something that came up over the course of the Mandalorian, in which um, the Mandalorian is ready to reverse the reputation of uh, Stormtrooper aim, in which at least through the original trilogy, Stormtroopers couldn't aim for anything. They couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Right. And I, as I said on Twitter, two things. One, I feel like plot holes probably a little hot frolic because I mean, like, yeah, that's been a thing. But at the same time, you could say that same thing about G.I. Joe because they never hit anything also. But that was right. just because it was a kid show. And right. I mean, I, I would just add that I honestly, you know, I came to Clone Wars late, but mm-hmm. I was honestly shocked to see, you know, clone stormtroopers actually hitting stuff. Oh, they totally. Yeah, they was lighting stuff up. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, when did like, happen? Yeah, like jokers were getting were getting lit up. So that's why I said like that whole this whole plot whole thing, like, okay, that happened maybe in the in the you know and even in the original trilogy, which granted there was like I mean, excuse me, in the prequels, you know, there were uh, granted, like you know by the time you get by the time you get to the original trilogy, there are no longer clones. Well, the prequels I mean I mean the prequels. Exactly, exactly. But I'm talking about the you know, those are conscripts in terms of the timeline. So sure. The, the prequels have clones. So I think in the prequel t- trilogy, um, they had decent aim because they did. I think that was my point. Yeah. Yeah. They were hitting droids. And there was also, and I do re- feel like I remember this. There was part of that. There was, I don't know if it was a theory or something that either Lucas or somebody said. It was like, well, no, there was basically a version of the rifles they were using that were, that was a bad batch basically. And that's what mm-hmm. caused the aim. They're, they're aimed to be bad at the time. And right. then, which I don't know if that was actually the, or I'm dreaming it up, but I feel like I remember seeing that somewhere. So that, so this whole pothole thing, it was like, it, it wasn't that. I don't feel like it was bad thing. And one, like you said, like, no, we've kind of seen them kind of go well away from that, or, you know, mm-hmm. it, fastly. So that was just a kind of a holdover for, and from an old thing. And it wasn't really a plot hole. It was just like, you know, that was just kind of what happened. Right. Like, they weren't basing the plot around the the, the stormtroopers aim. That that's what I was like. That's not, whatever. Anyway, that's that's me nitpicking. So, but regardless, yeah, it seemed to be addressed well before now. But and the people are just noticing in the mentoring that yeah, that's that is the thing anymore. Maybe they didn't watch Clone Wars, so who knows? Mm-hmm. Um. Next up, Star Wars confirms the why Jango and Boba can't be Mandalorians. Uh, so this is a thought piece. So I'm not even going to go into too much of that, but basically it's a it's a thing piece about you know that whole thing with B- uh, Boba and Jenga, which I don't. I feel like the prequels kind of mention that because as, as you kind of know, um, especially if you've watched like say Rebels and Clone Wars, like Mandalorian, like what Mandalore is a place, and yes, there is a a culture around it, uh, but it's not just like the race of people. In fact, I think they've if never said it was just the race of people because as the mandalorian has um has pretty much borne out it's like you know people can kind of people have come in that are not you know of that place right or of that culture so but this is pretty much a think piece about that so we don't have to go into it 
All right. Mm-hmm. Next up, so apparently Gina Carano of uh, which Fast and Furious was it? Was it Fast Six? I think it was Fast. Uh, was it Fast and Six? Yeah, it was Six. Oh, probably. It was Fast I was regardless. Yeah, she was in Fast Six. six so yeah. coming off of getting harpooned, out of, uh, yeah, getting harpooned out of a a, um, a moving plane that was going down a runway that was five miles long, that someone uh, survived and yet somebody else didn't. However, right, exactly. That. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, Gina Carano plays, and this is spoiler alert, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler alert for The Mandalorian Episode 4. Mm-hmm. Um, Gina Carano plays, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Uh, you know, that's me substituting for Ring of the Bell. Um, okay. The Mandalorian, uh, she uh, plays a ex-Rebel Alliance member who shows up in the show and... Mm-hmm. Um, this article that we linked to explains how, excuse me, the Star Wars television series gave her a new sense of belonging in an industry where she was long felt, where she has felt long like an outsider. Mm. That's good. I'm glad, you know, like, actually, it was just weird. Just, I don't know if it just kind of parallels, um, like, I want to say Hemsworth, who said if it wasn't for, like, uh, Thor Ragnarok, he was like, he was felt like he was kind of done with acting or something like that, something around that part. So. Um, and it kind of just renewed him. Um, and this is kind of a similar thing for her, which man, she, if you haven't seen the episode, she cold cocks the Mandalorian real good in helmet at all. It was like, Beskar helmet at all. Exactly. Like he just went, and that whole scene, which was going to lean up to another uh, thing we're about to talk about in a second, uh, or at least one of them anyway. Um, that was, it was a pretty good, a good part of that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, um, and actually, more spoiler alerts, spoiler alerts, spoiler alerts for anyone who has not watched The Mandalorian. Well, first of all, if you, if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen The Mandalorian, we, we're, it's established at this point, we're just, and we're still not going to go fully into it. But if you've been on the social media and you have not seen the memes from this, please let us know because I am. How did you do it? Really ask, how on earth did you do that? Because that's an amazing feat. <laughs> that is a quite amazing feat. Um, anyway, the Mandalorian star on ruthless being ruthlessly, which that seemed hyperbolically outshined by Baby Yoda. Uh, I'm cool with it. I guess that's, that's what the LBY for all you fellow binge mode heads out there. The LBY. Yes, or as some, as some would call Yodito. <laughs> um. So yeah. So yes, baby, baby Yoda has been a thing again. That's from episode one of the Mandalorian. Again, if you haven't seen it at this point, I, I, I really want to. I would like to see your ways. How did you? Yeah, do we're we're a month into it now, so it's a yeah, little exactly. hard for us to constantly harp on it. But I do know people that haven't watched it. Who it's true. Watch it. So, but but I've also seen people that haven't watched it but have seen these memes. Right. So, uh, so let's see. Uh, Pedro Pascal. Oh yeah, even though I'm not what you call the I've been watching Loving the Zoo with Pedro Pascal. Um he basically Pedro Pascal has finally answered the much anticipated question of how he feels about being outshined by his or according to his ruthlessly outshined by his little green co-star. Pascal took to the Twitter and let us all know this. I'm cool with it. I mean, yeah, he's still getting his. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the coolest thing about, about this, just on a slight side note, you know how there there have been superhero movies where you know the folks in masks have to take off their mask every 
you know, now and then because they have to get FaceTime. Right. So far, we have yet to, and the mat and his helmet has come off. We still haven't seen his face. But people, people seem to want to go that like that diminishes his acting because they don't show in his face, which makes no sense whatsoever. Right. I had to explain that one to my sister, but um, you know, it what's what's weird about this, having come off of a relatively recent rewatch of Rebels, mm-hmm. and you know, in the midst of a rewatch of The Mandalorian, yeah, I, I mean, no, of a Clone Wars. Yeah, we were talking about that pre-show, uh, how he's he's doing the Clone Wars rewatch. I'm just gonna wait till like before the next season comes out next week, next year, to do my Clone Wars, Clone Wars one. But I'm doing Rebels now, right? So, right. I mean, just just honestly, trying to figure out what this whole deal with the helmet is for right. the Mandalorian. It's kind of you know like where is that from? So but- there's this whole clickbait session, and I think I've had this in the past last couple of weeks is also so there's 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 lore behind it basically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I feel like we talked about an article um, the last time we we were there. But definitely, if not in the clickbait this week, then definitely the last week. There's it's if there's a lower purpose. I believe it. Yeah, that the Mandalorian kind of hints at, uh, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily go into. But there's sure. definitely lower purposes for it. Sure. So um, next up. Uh, there is a, a a newly popular meme coming out of episode four of mm-hmm. Orion involving the LBY. Actually, there was two, but this was the one that's that the most recent. Well, right. actually, yeah, this is the first one, actually, the one I had, the, uh, alluded to. Right, but I'm referring to the one that comes out of um, one particular scene, and apparently Variety caught up with the director, Bryce Dallas Howard, um, following in her father's footsteps, directing something Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And yeah, talked about right, like, all right. Yeah, they they talked about creating that memorable sequence with the LBY and introducing a feisty new female character. Mm-hmm. So okay, so you know Bryce Bryce uh, Dallas Howard, who who is the daughter of Ron Howard, obviously, and it, it led me to James like, of course, there has to be a Howard behind some Star Wars related content because as we know uh Ron Howard came in and cleaned up uh on Rogue One. Um and I believe Brother Clint has been on some Star Wars, but I'm not sure if that's if that's true, but I know he's been on some Star Wars in the past, regardless. So yeah, daughter of Ron Howard, aka Opie for some of us of a certain vintage. Um did a pretty great director of uh, debut and got a, some traction out of that with one, this this particular meme and another one that's to follow. Uh, the uh, the the Yodito, aka Baby Yoda, with the cup, uh, which happens to take off at, on, in social media, but only to be subverted by the one that came later on in the episode. Yeah. Uh, but this is basically her thoughts on that. Right. Uh, on that part quick, of it, right. Yeah, just a quick note. I know that Roddy Cat knows this, but Ron Howard actually did solo a Star yeah, Wars. You're right. I'm sorry. That's right. And. But you know what's funny about that? The only thing I want to add is it's better than you remember it. I've actually watched it a couple of times on Netflix, and you know what? I I've, I've grown to appreciate the movie. Right. I was one of those ones who didn't think it was bad in the first place. Like, yeah, there's a couple of parts, especially when with dealing with how he got his name was a right. little grown and distant. But the movie in its whole uh, as a whole wasn't as bad as people said it was. Yeah, exactly. I definitely appreciate it now. Yeah. So yeah, so thank you for that correction because I totally that's the, you are totally right about it. it was solo and not uh, Rogue One. So thanks. It's all good. So you got next. Uh, Deja Ridley uh, weighs in on Baby Yoda craze and Dark Ray. 
Okay, guess what, folks? We got an, it's December. We got another um, Star Wars movie coming out in short weeks. Yeah, it's coming out very soon. So she basically was on Jimmy Fallon um, talking basically, you know, how she felt about the Baby Yoda craze and in relation to the port craze, um, uh, which, if I remember correctly, without looking at this article, she was basically like, it's Baby Yoda over porks because... Um, the porgs was on set one day, and that was all people could talk about. And she was on set every day. I think she did. She does mention that in the in the clip. Um, that was one part of it. But hey, you know, it's Baby Yoda. Come on. Mm-hmm. To which, on that front, I will go as far as to say, it's like we still not entirely sure. There are still speculations on the creation of Baby Yoda, which we still have not got yet. Maybe that's going to bear itself out in the course of Mandalorian. We don't know. I'm personally still thinking it's a clone. But we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Regardless, yeah, but yeah, Daisy Lee um, is pro-Baby Yoda. Right. And I get that. The reports were kind of, eh. Right. So our next piece, is this an opinion piece, the next one? I believe it is, yes. Okay, so there's an opinion piece that we have linked to that kind of explores fandoms, Mary Sue, hypocrisy, how, um, you know, some, especially with regards to Star Wars. But it has some weight. Right, and I'm sh- and I'm and I and I definitely find myself in agreement. Having not even read the piece, I definitely understand um, how uh, certain uh, certain um, portions of Star Wars fandom can be very hypocritical with regards to their uh, feelings on um, the Mary Sueness of certain things, especially exactly. dealing with um, Mandalorian's LBY. Right. So the TLDR is basically like, yeah, they they you know. Apparently, the whole thing was like if you don't already know this, raise a Mary Sue because she somehow got to the force, learned force real quick, despite Luke being a far, farmer and coming across a, a force user in five minutes and knowing how to do stuff. And in relation to Baby Yoda, who's like 50 years old, they can justify that, but they're still, you know, they still have a problem with Ray, which that all goes into a whole nother thing, which again. The whole Mary Sue thing. Um, I'm looking at this article that says Star Wars, what really happened to the Mandalorian? That might be something the Mandalorian you may want to check that one out. I haven't seen that one's a new one on me. Mm-hmm. So, and I see Sabine. Shout out to Sabine, my Rebels we watch. So, anyway, next up, uh, to keep this trainer going, Rose Tico returns in the Rise of Skywalker character poster. So, yeah. Um, this came out like before. Actually, it was a while ago. Actually, um, not a while ago, but this is um, yeah, this came out on. Wait, did definitely came out the week of um, the week of Thanksgiving. I didn't know that much. So, uh, but yeah, they have character posters for various characters of uh, the new Star Wars movie. One being Rose Tico, and there, if you're watching the video, can see said picture. And I think there's the others that came out, but I don't know if that. I don't think they linked them in this article. So okay. Next. So as of what last week or, or early this week, the rise of Skywalker has been. It was last week. Mm-hmm. So as of last week, the the rise of Skywalker has been completed. Reshoots and scoring and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, some some celebrity cameos. Right. So some celebrity cameos were revealed. Um, apparently, uh, uh. Uh, Alexander Hamilton, a.k.a. actor mm-hmm. Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Grammy winner Ed Sheeran were both spotted in the special look at the upcoming movie that was released. Mm-hmm. Um, 
apparently Miranda appears to be a member of the resistance and will probably have uh, and uh she even was spotted in a stormtrooper costume. Right. Which they've you know, not outside the realm of possibility, there's been some notable celebrities you know, of just cameo and I believe Daniel Craig. Uh, yeah, exactly. Was a stormtrooper who will have an article about that in a little bit. But uh, so yeah, so that's not a big, big, big surprise. Now, even some lesser known people to most people that are known to some other people that just happen to have a, some cameos um, in all the books. I mean, in older, in like specifically Force Awakening or whatever. So right. cool. Um, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, the bizarre inspiration behind uh, Zori Bliss, who is, uh, I want to call her Felicity, which that is her character, but Carrie Russell's character in Star Wars, uh, Rise of uh, Skywalker. That's still a weird name okay. at this point. I don't know. That's, that's I guess. Anyway, so this article kind of goes into, as what I just said, um, sounds like this is something from J.J. Abrams' youth. Uh, having to do with a motorbike and a helmet. So, you know, it is what it is on that kind of stuff. I mean, he put the Beastie Boys in every movie. There's some reference to the Beastie Boys in all of his movies, so right. including Star Trek, so why I'm not surprised. And, and Star Trek. It's going to be Star Wars and Trek, so yeah, not surprised. Next. Uh, so two days after The Rise of Skywalker, director J.J. Abrams revealed that one of the actor's scripts ended up on eBay. The culprit stepped up and John Boyega admitted it, it, admitted it was his copy during uh, this past or last Wednesday's or this past Wednesday's Good Morning America interview. He said it was a scary moment, but seems to be able to joke about it now. He is never getting a Marvel movie ever after that one. Uh, or... Because the snipers will be out so fast. I don't know. Given the the other people who have spoiled the stuff, as you know, not as much. No, exactly. I was about to say. I think there's definitely levels, right? Like plus they and plus they've used that stuff for marketing anyway, as we found out. So they totally yelled. They they totally yelled at. They did totally yell at Ruffalo for having his phone on, like live streaming. Right. So the snipers would be out for sure if a script ever made it to eBay. Oh, for sure, for sure. But yeah, and that script was snatched up by Disney before you know before anybody else could get to it. So, I, and I joked about this like a day or two of before this recording uh, about this because I was thinking like, okay, I imagine that whole scene with the cleaner, who I'm pretty sure probably doesn't have a job. Well, he's moving the apartment, so probably not even. A, I assume he wasn't going to have the same cleaner anyway. Um, but if he did, probably not anymore. Mm-hmm. And I imagine it to be the scene, like speaking of Rogue One, out of the the end of Rogue One, where they were trying to hand off the, the plans. Yeah, like I kind of felt like it was kind of one of those things. I thought it was, but that in my mind, that's how it went down. <laughs> it was going from his apartment, changed the hands, and he was chasing it down. But so yeah. But on that note, um, Mark Hamill tweets. You know, Mark Hamill being Mark Hamill, piece pure response to leaked Star Wars scripts. Um, so yeah, this was, um, I didn't see this at first, but I remember seeing this thing that came off of it or that was before it. So Mark Hamill, uh, photoshopped himself, um, uh, and a picture, picture of the orange bandit who, for better or for worse, is the head of this country, sadly, um, photoshopped both of the heads on, on various other movie pictures, bodies, and with the caption of it's fun to pretend. Uh, hashtag fake Photoshop fantasies to which uh, John Boyega, Boyega 
uh, responded. And I remember seeing his response, uh, but I didn't see what came after it, which he basically said, Mark ended with the eyeballs, which means what, you know, what, you know what it means. So Hamble, which part of me was like, this was, you know, a little heavy handed, but he basically was like, son, I only posted this to distract from the story of someone who moved departments after leaving a Star Wars script under the bed. It was later than blah, 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 blah. I DM, DM you when they find the bonehead who would do such a thing. Oh, no. You know, jokingly, because, you know, as we found out, Boyega was the one. So, you know, I'm having a little fun of with, course. Uh, with, with him like that. So, because I didn't see this part until later. That was that was pretty funny. I'm like, damn, you, you have no chill, Hamill. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But oh. it was all fun. Right. So next up, but apparently according to this, uh, some there were some serious phone calls going back to the Borgia. There was definitely some serious phone calls from Disney officials about it, which makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, next. Yeah. Next up, um, uh, series creator Alex Kurtzman um, has teased that the Star Trek Picard sh- uh, series is going to have a very different style Borg story. So the depiction is going to be very unique and you can't be very unique. It's just different. It's just unique, but you can be very different. So um, who's nitpicking now? <laughs> I was about to say, you're right, you're right about it. I'm joking with you. I was about to say, shout out to uh, CJ Craig on the West Wing for, for, for reminding me of that one. Nice. But, um, that's an early, early callback to anyone who's a West Wing fan. But right. um, uh, you know, ultimately, this is um, just a, a, another tease for the Picard uh, series. When does that start? Uh, next year, I want to say January, February, the sometime. I don't know yeah, it's not definitely far. Oh, January twenty third. Yeah, I knew it was close. Um, speaking of the the comic book. I think it's a prequel to no, it's not a prequel, can't be. But the Star Trek Picard number one just came out this week, uh, that is set in that universe. And I think it's it's not a prequel, definitely. Uh, because it's already at a seemed like it's actually from a point, which seemed like a little early for that book to be out, given that the show is not out yet. Cause I thumbed through it and I was like, maybe I should hold off on this for a minute. But at the same time, it could very well be still a prequel in a sense, just not a prequel to, you know, the right. start of the show. So, um, I don't know how, how to take another look at it again. Either way, um, Michelle Yeoh wanted to do Section 31 before Star Trek Discovery even aired. So, shout out to me, Michelle Yeoh, um, just in general. But um, apparently, in the flurry of Star Trek news over the past few months, the upcoming Section 31 spinoff starring Michelle Yeoh, which we knew kind of sort of about that that was either being hinted at, you know, and whatever. Um, has somewhat been lost in the shuffle. In a recent interview, uh, some of the Trek people talked about talked a bit about how things have been going on that front and shed some light on the show's development. So apparently, uh, Vanity Fair had an interview with um, with uh, some folks on, namely Alex Kurtzman, the the lead the lead guy on that one. So and. Um, yeah, so basically he had some thoughts about it and they talked about um, uh, Michelle Yeoh's enthusiasm for the project uh, and uh, Section 1, you know, her feelings about it in general, basically about Section 131 stuff, which, you know what, the Section 31 stuff, uh, going back to Deep Space Nine, I do, I love that part about it, but because it was so different and basically, quote unquote, not Trek-like. Right. Um, so it was a part of uh, DS9. That, that was part of the stuff that you know most people like about DS9, you know, especially coming up in, through the war part of it. Right. I was about to say it was definitely an interesting subplot. 
Mm-hmm. So to, but the, I don't know. I guess the problem I had with it was like, well, then you started seeing it just like the Borg. You start seeing it in like Enterprise and stuff like that. It was like, well, okay, Section Thirty One sure probably had its roots back, going back further. And this was like, and D- Discovery is like, a l- probably what well, was originally set ten years, like after Enterprise or something or other like that. So, and I still haven't really seen it, but I know the. A lot of it kind of came through there, which if you watch the first episode of the story, you can see that plane without even, you know, if you know Section 31 and, knew, you know, saw the even the first episode of this discovery, you can you definitely saw the shades are already coming out on that one. So okay. where, wherever it went, you know, during the course of the the, the seasons, because we'll find I'll find out. But most people know at this point. All righty. Um, sadly, our next story is. Uh, um from uh, star trek.com which reported that it was deeply saddened that um dorothy catherine dc fontana mm. had passed she was the legendary writer who brought many of star trek's greatest episodes to life she passed away peacefully at age 80 on december 2nd following a short illness as a writer fontana is credited with many episodes focusing on vulcan culture and helped blaze a trail for female writers in sci-fi television yeah, so, DC Fontana is a name that uh, I'm sure a lot of people in definitely the Trek Lord know, but she's also done a whole bunch of other she, uh, writing in the past on other shows. Um, Babylon 5, Six Million Dollar Man, but the Waltons, Bonanza, to name a few. Like her name has been in a few different places, but like the most notably for, for Trek and uh, in, in its uh, various iterations. So, you know, condolences to uh, her. And family, I didn't find this out until the fourth, and that's so I saw this article. I was like, oh, damn, and uh, how did this get past my timeline? Mm-hmm. It's weird, anyway. Um, there was that. Um, Watchmen on the HBO show, so I'm still not watching HBO teases Lady Trio's uh major connection to a classic character. I'm assuming you may know more about this than, yeah, I'm up to date. I'm, I've been watching, it's actually been pretty good. I've enjoyed it, but I've I don't have, right? I'm not, I'm not as. Um, I'm not as uh, adamant that uh, you know that they not touch it, you right. know, they not touch the original source material. I actually rather like, which is weird because people have been saying they should have. It should have been more comic book like from what I've seen. What I was gonna say is no, but what I appreciate though is that they took it, and this was a prime example on expanding. Mm-hmm. I think they've done an excellent job of expanding upon what had been done before. Okay. So. It is, in a sense, uh, a, a sequel, a true sequel, but it's definitely set further, way further down the road than I think a traditional sequel would be set. Sure. So, um, uh, do you want to just cover the story real quick? Um, go for it. Oh, uh, I, I was about to. I didn't even look at it. Oh well, basically, because I don't. I mean, so friend of this character, uh, Lady Trio, right, is. You know who's a part of the story like i said you would know that part of the far but since you debated uh debuted a few weeks ago the vietnamese trillionaire has come to tulsa oklahoma mm-hmm. to build a mammoth structure referring to, uh, referred to as the millennial clock while her ultimate motivations remain unclear she's been using her immense wealth uh, uh, intelligence and charisma to ensure that everything goes down perfectly although she's never had a role in Moore and david gibson's comic Gibbons comic HBO just teased a major potential connection between her and the central character of the comic book, the comedian, which okay. again, means would probably mean more to people. Right. Uh, 
So actually, that would we been the one to ask. So I know, shout out to friend of the show, Matt Wayne. Has he? Do we know if he's seen this or not? I haven't asked. I should. Yeah. So when he finally catches up, I know he was out of the house tonight, so he's not watching live. But right. um, when he does catch up on the show, he'll probably reach out and let me know if he's watched it. Yeah, um, I would be curious as to because I know he is definitely a fan of the books and or uh, the book, and you know, uh, if he's seen it, I'm sure he would have some some thoughts on. On this also, right? Um, just related uh, in a related story. This is actually an older story, but we're just putting it out there now, just mm-hmm. a reminder to folks that um, writer David Lindelof suggests that his HBO drama Watchmen may only last this one season. So that is actually um, that is cause to uh, watch this a little bit more closely and to see how things get tied together because things are getting tied together as we speak. So if you are not yet up to date, you still have time to catch up. Right. I think that was a reason why I pulled this because because I don't think we pulled it when it was originally one originally came out. And two, I think there was some, I felt like I've seen some people wondering about that there's going to be a second season right possibly yeah so i don't know and i mean who's to say there could very well be i mean that's right nothing set in stone at this point exactly so we'll see about that uh umbrella academy season two has finished filming according to the stars so tom harper who plays luther hargreaves space boy on the show posted a picture to instagram on the 20th remarking that season two would wrap production in two days and praising his co-workers and if you're watching the video you can see said instagram post um i have still yet to watch this show same yeah so and um justin mann who was also on the show who plays uh, a character on the show uh uh is here photographed with his funko pop nice yeah so there there you go nice uh next up uh lock and key officially has a premiere date on netflix uh it's uh February 7th, 2020, which is not far away. Uh, this is based on the, the series is based on the IDW comic book uh, by Joe Hill, Gabriel Rodriguez, Jay Photos, and Robbie Robbins. The mystery series will follow the three Locke siblings and their mother as they move into their ancestral home, Key House, following the murder of their father. So um, that is Netflix grabbing up the original content. Mm-hmm. And I guess I wonder if this is the book that was that was responsible for Joe Hill getting his own DC line. I guess possibly. Yeah, who knows? Um, James Bond. Well, you know, Joe Hill obviously didn't want to go by Joe King. So wait, what? What happened? He didn't want to go by Joe King. Wait, that's his actual name. Well, but that's Stephen King's kid. I did not know that. I did not know that. Well, hey, the more you know. Uh, James Bond mistaken because that's he's that's how you know that's how it was pitched to me and really uh, that makes that makes a whole lot of sense yeah about the dc books like he you know he wanted to make yeah joseph hillstrom king huh. he, his pen name is joe hill huh again that makes now that makes way more sense <laughs> i'm glad i'm about to say again Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. And knowing is half the battle. Yeah, I, I had that. I should have put, probably put that one. I should have did that one myself. But yeah, I that, yeah, I really did not know that. So, yeah, yeah interesting. Um, and I get it. Yeah, you know, yeah, your dad's, you know, your dad's your dad. And you want to, you know, you want to have your own thing. 
Well, especially if your dad is Stephen King and you're going right. to be a writer, so. Right. So. You know, if he was a pro baseball player, he wouldn't have cared. Well, yeah, probably. So, huh, that really makes a whole lot of sense in a couple different ways now. Okay, so James Bond returns to action in the first trailer for No Time to Die. Did you see this? Did yes, it? a lot of fun. Yeah, I like it. Um, so there was a teaser trailer before that. They had a little bit to uh, some stuff, uh, but I decided not to put that in there because it wasn't unnecessary. That because there basically was a trailer. It was it was a teaser trailer saying, "Hey, it's going to come out this Wednesday," which was a few days, you know, which was like Monday or something like that, or this past Monday. Uh, of at the time of this recording, right? So, then this came out this Wednesday, and I was like, "Man, this movie's coming out." I feel like this movie's coming out a couple of years late. But there's also there was also the the off and on of whether Daniel Craig was going to come back for it, and we now know that this is going to be his last one, right? Um, I still need to go back and watch Spectre because I've not seen it. Um, and of course, we get a glimpse of Rami Malek uh, as the bad guy, even though they say he doesn't say anything. But he actually, I think he there is some voiceover before he seen his face. Or, right. Yeah. But regardless, yeah, like I said, I enjoyed the trailer. It's it's definitely a Bond trailer. And um, shout out to Lashana Lynch, who's also in the trailer, whom I hope they don't kill off. Um, you know, and um, Naomi Harris, who sh- probably should have been a double O, but they relegated her to Money Penny. So, I, I was, was gonna say I don't remember much of Spectre. That wasn't Spectre. That was in um. No, no. I'm just saying, you know, the the, the most recent movie. Right. I don't remember much of it, so I'm gonna have to try to catch up and see if, um, I have in fact watched it. I think I did, but right. I can't remember right. exactly. Yeah, it's been a couple of years. Like I had weirdly enough, I had a copy, but I think I threw it away by mistake for some stupid reason. Yeah, I mean, it's listed as a 2015 film. I'm like, wow, that's a while ago. Mm-hmm. Done a lot of comic book chronicles since then, <laughs> right? And yeah, and like I said, they've since then they've been going back and forth on whether one there was going to be another James Bond movie, period, much less Daniel Craig coming back for it. So that's been kind of the juggling for since then for a couple of years. So it's a thing. Uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife is the official title of the new Ghostbusters movie. Which... No kidding. It's so so the weird thing about that is I saw a, a, a tweet a tweet which may have something to do with this, um, but this is coming out on well this came out a couple of days ago on the third and I saw this tweet before that, basically saying that you know Ghostbusters two makes a whole lot of sense somebody somebody said Ghostbusters two makes a whole lot of sense if everybody's dead. To which, I don't know if I could go I. From what I remember of Ghostbuster 2, I'm like, I don't know if that would have mattered any, but at the same time, I guess. But yeah, so Ghostbusters Afterlife, that's what we got. And this movie is still coming next year. Okay. Yeah, with the uh, with the, most of the OG cast. Right. So uh, anyone who's going to see uh, Jumanji the next level is going to get the Ghostbusters 3 trailer uh, next week. Right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Next up, um, like that's a real medical solid two zone of the interest thing, but only a few people who would know understand what that means. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the move, the GI Joe spinoff movie Snake Eyes, um, has cast an actor to portray Snake Eyes' father, Stephen Alaric, um, who is recently on the Amazon Prime original series The Expanse, has been cast as Snake Eyes' father. So, what does this dude look like? 
Uh, I know, man. Hey, I will say the Expanse is a great show from what I've seen of it. Granted, I've only seen the first uh first season. Um, so I don't know who do this person is playing on it, but if he's on that show, it's probably all right. I don't know. I that's a broad speculation on my part. Um, but okay. So he's kind of brown. Mm. Let's to the Googles. He is uh, born in Toronto, Canada, to Jamaican parents, one of Chinese descent, the other mixed black, white, and Indian. Right. So, yeah. But being that Snake Eyes is being played by Henry Golden. Right. Who's of mixed descent. So, exactly. So it kind of makes some sense. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I can see that. Sure. All right. Okay. I don't, I still don't recognize this dude, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Expanse is good, y'all. Next up, uh, Vin Diesel. I believe we are, uh, yeah, we are at the end of the, the cinematic news with this. In that, uh, Vin Diesel teases more Fast and Furious, Riddick, Triple uh, X, and group projects in the future. And two, probably two of those are probably in the same universe. If you go by my thinking, right? Maybe even three. I don't know. I haven't pulled uh, into the to, into it yet, but we'll see. So basically, um, you know what I was gonna say. Basically. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, and Mr. Diesel says that after the longest filming shoot of my career with Fast 9, uh, a film I am so immensely proud of, um, that scares me. Oh, I was about to say, dude, if you said the same thing about 8, I got problems with you. I still haven't seen 8. Um, Diesel shared on his Instagram post, before entering the next chapter, excuse me, the next character in film project, uh, so much to be excited about. Fast continuation, Xander Cage, uh, Riddick, Groot, not to mention the possibility of Witch Hunter. Oh, wow, another Witch Hunter movie? Huh. I don't know if that... I, I, that that first one was actually not bad. It was better than you'd think it would be. I will say that. Um, but apparently he's he's doing another one, another guess, and the follow-up to Bloodshot, which I guess is coming out fairly soon, I don't know. Uh, before all the press that con- coincides with the release of various pr- pictures next year, I must take a minute to center. And so he's basically saying he's taking a break before he gets into the rest of that stuff. Uh, so, hey, guess what, folks? Buckle up. <laughs> we knew the Fast and Furious stuff was coming. I didn't know too much about uh, after. And still haven't seen the last Fast and Furious uh, X movie now that I think about it. Uh, didn't know any if any Riddick or, you know, whatever was coming. That Witch Hunter movie, though, that's, that's a surprise that he's doing that. But uh, hey, it makes sense, I guess. Have you seen that one? What's that? The Witch Hunter? Yeah. No, I have not. Okay. It's like again, it's it's yeah, it's, it's not terrible, but right. it's not it is what it is. Anyway, we will go vastly and fastly into comic book news. Yep. Starting off with the best comic books of the decade, according to entertainment. Okay. Um, some stuff, you know, some notable stuff. Some not surprising stuff from Saga to Batman EU. Ow! I'm excuse me, EW. That's EU. It's a different thing. Um, <laughs> picks the 15 best comic books of the decade, which feels kind of um, soon, given that. Granted, yes, we're in December, but still. And this list came out in November. So again, the, the you know the stuff you would ex- expect to be on there. Saga's on there. Uh, Batman's on there. Uh, Miss Marvel's on there. Right, nice. 
um, FF is on there. Wow. The Hickman, yeah. oh no, this is not the Hickman FF. This is Fragment, Fractions, Fraction, in all red. Wow. Yeah. And also speaking of Fraction, Hawkeye, which, yes. Yes. That, that was a great ass book. Uh, Hawks Pox. Wow. Yeah, that's see that one. Hmm. I feel like that's a more of a game awards type of like that thing just happened. Come on. But at the same time, I'm not saying it's not worth it, but at the same time, it's also Miracle Works, Monstrous, which I have not read, but you know I know somebody who's read who's been reading Monstrous and enjoying it a lot. It's show it it listen, it's it's soldiers on. I have to give uh Marjorie Lou credit, Sana Takeda a ton of credit. They soldier on with this book. There are always a ton of people in front of their tables at uh, at New York Comic Con. They sold out all of their books like within the first two days of the con. Yeah, probably for a couple of different reasons. The book happened to be the big part, but also Marjorie Lou. Um, yeah. But like they had, no, I think they had like the the like they had sold out of like all the the newest trades. I think nice on their table, like within the first two days. You know, they were there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think. By the end of Friday, or even early Saturday, all those books were gone. They were just doing signings after that. So that right. was now that I think about, I know two people who who's been reading Monstrous, uh, and and they've enjoyed it. And they're not big comic book readers, so that is cool. I definitely got my number one sign though. Nice shout out to me. <laughs> nice. Oh wow, the Gillen um, Young Avengers book. Wow. I. Props to that one. That was a pretty decent, but hmm, I didn't think too many people. Yeah, interesting. But yeah, there the, the list is out there. You can check it out. And there's some stuff that you know that are lesser known stuff, but you know there's a couple on there that we we know and appreciate. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that people like the uh, what you call that Nemo book. Yeah, and Lumberjane has, has, right. has a has a little cult following. So, but yeah, that F, that fraction FF that was totally unexpected. Yeah, I mean. But I mean, granted, fraction, but still, right? I mean, I own it, you know. Why mm-hmm. most of it? I don't know if I own all of it, but I definitely own most of it. Right. Black Hammer also on that list. So I'm sure there's some fans of that, but yeah. Know. Again, the least of the surprise is probably Batman. Yeah, but... because they've had two big runs on it with Snyder and with King. So exactly. So there is that. But yeah, there you go. There's that list. Um, next up. All right. Next up, uh, Patch, aka Wolverine, and Chris Anka join Black Cat for two upcoming issues. So this is straight out of the solicitations. Nicked, bub. Yeah. Oh shit. And Anka's doing um, Anka's doing um, Wolverine. So yep. that'll be good. Sounds good. Um, here we see a cover from which that looks like Gwen Stacy. Um, yeah, it's like an alternate. That's a variant cover. Right. So I'm just like, wait a minute. What, is it promoing the new Gwen Stacy sto- uh, uh, series? Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but you yeah. know, you know I'm going to get the Campbell cover anyway, so. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, wait, I think, the, oh, no, that's Gomez. That's, it says right here, uh, Carlos Gomez. So, yeah. So there you go. The uh, story starts in Black Cake number nine. Jet McKay still writing it. And it's still out in February. Again, like uh, Agent Service said, solicitations. Which, by the way, are out for... Um, Marvel and a couple other people um, in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, some of this will probably be coming out of that. Roxanne Gay, Method Man, uh, Kyle Baker, and more lead new Marvel's Voices title. So, it sounds like this is a comic book that is coming off of coming out of a podcast. 
Uh, following last year's debut, yeah, of Marvel's bi-weekly podcast interview series, Marvel's Voices, Marvel will continue to expand the spotlight on some of the comic book industry's most critically acclaimed storytellers with Marvel's Voices number one, written and drawn by an all-star roster of talent, including Vita Ayala, um, uh, not Ava, <laughs> right. Ryan Gay, Brian Stelfies, Freeze, Method Man, and many more. Yeah, there's a whole host. So I've mm. actually got the, a physical copy of the February 2020 previews that I'm holding up okay. for everyone who can who's watching the video. And I just flipped to that. Oh, wait, yeah, let me, let me, let me. Oh, all right. So here we go. So um, for uh, those of you who are watching the video, this is a copy, a physical copy of uh, the February 2020 solicitations. It's uh, the Marvel solicitations. The uh, um, Wolverine is on the cover. And, you know, flipping inside, this is the Marvel's Voices um, uh, ad uh, solicitation for the book. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a one shot that's going to have lots and lots of creators um, uh, uh, contributing new stories with lots of different characters. And these are um the authors and the and the creators are generally um female or people of color yes oh and speaking of a couple of names which i, I think i forgot to pull a story uh, uh uh for the lineup but um if you've been watching the twitters and follow um david F. walker sanford green or chuck brown you will know that bitterroot is coming back in february yes uh and because they've been they've been talking about yeah they basically got their stuff down and it's, and it's, it's, it'll be out there. So look forward to that. If you are a fan of it, like I am, uh, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to see that coming back. Uh, so there is that. And that's, I forgot to, to pull that for some reason, or I don't think I've seen an article on it. Now that I think about it. Uh, next up. Uh, let's see. So you did the voices Marvel's first Braille comic inspired by football player with blindness. So this is off of the hero prod Marvel's hero project, uh, documentary on uh, Disney plus mm -hmm. and, um, the latest, a real life subject, um, known as the unstoppable Adonis is going beyond his community and changing the face of football and even of Marvel comics itself. Adonis, a high school running back, has completely lost his vision. And uh, despite losing his sight at age five, he stuck with his dream of becoming a professional football player, defying all expectations and creating new inroads for athletes with disabilities on his high school team along the way. And you're watching the yeah, video, the you can read the cover. And I was going to say, and I guess the comic is lettered with Braille. Cool. That's dope. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, there's a, also a clip uh, from the from the Marvel Hero Project thing. I still have not watched that one yet either. I haven't either. Yeah. God forbid I not you know do a a rewatch of uh, Clone Wars, right? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of mandatory at this point, you know. Yeah, I know. Um. So yeah. So yeah. It says to bring. Uh, apparently, you can read. Uh, to bring Adonis' story to life in comic form, which you can read for free through Marvel.com. Uh, project manager and editor for Marvel's Hero Project, Catherine Brown, assembled a team of comic book veterans, including uh, writer Mike Rach, uh, I that's his name, pencil Kevin Sharp, inker Lorenzo Ruggiero, uh, colorist Lee Duggig, that are Dosipino, and Todd Knock as the cover artist, as you saw from the, the cover that I just put up. So, cool. All right. Let me check that out. Wait, it is actually, let me look through this real quick and see, because it's. Uh, yeah, it is actually out there now, so you can go check that out for free on Marvel.com. Cool. 
next. <gasps> it's you. Uh, Don Vex's Fallen Angel skips February 2020, but has plans to continue, quote-unquote. Which, I don't know, I feel like we talked about this before. I think we did, just in conversation. Uh, I feel like the last time we talked... Uh, no, okay. It may have been one of those reviews where uh, we saw the solicitations are early, you know? Maybe. But basically, um, Brian Edward Hill, who's uh, indicated on Twitter that he'd be taking a break from the first arc, noting that he's already had plans to return, because basically he has film and TV projects because he is one, well, one, he's part of the writer's writing team on uh, Titans. So that's shooters, that's one of them. And uh, this is uh, one of the other things he's probably doing. So he says, uh, due to film, TV, things I have in motion, that's my main career and I have to grow it. I had to take a break from the first arc, but there's already plans to continue the story in a very cool way, but I can't comment on that yet. Uh, he'll explain in the tweet. Now, I think this article says that it doesn't mean that he's going to be the one to do it, or at least it doesn't state whether he's going to be the one that's doing it or not, but that it, there are plans to continue in some way, shape, or form. Um, so, yeah. The last solicited issue is uh, number six, which is next year. And news around, I'm get an editor because you need to, you got you got a typo here. Yep. Oh wait, you do have an editor. You might want to actually let me stop. Let me stop. Um, that'd be something. It's like, what if I got a job with one of these people? <laughs> it's harsh, man. It's harsh. I'm sorry, but yeah. and I know I have plenty of typos of my own. But look, I, yeah. harsh. All right. Next up, next. um. Spider-Verse, the title, just introduced an Aunt May who's absolutely terrifying. I have not and been reading this book. I have I I I I stopped reading after the first one, and I oh. know the second one just came out. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, as, as Spider-Verse books are wont to do, you know, we're going around the different um uh parts of the multiverse and different people who have gained spider powers. This particular iteration of Spider and Spider-Man's Aunt May became her world's version spoiler alert spoiler alert of carnage now that's frightening oh so this is not wait so this is okay okay i was thinking it was that same one that was from spider-verse um but apparently yeah this is a different different one that's pretty terrifying yeah not me it's carnage oh huh. yeah hey could be worse could be golden oldie right or could be better actually i was about to say yeah that's anyway yeah, basically. Um, if you don't know that reference, look it up, folks. Uh, Spider-Man is about to become Marvel's... Actually, wait a minute. Did I? I should have... There was a. There should have been another article around it, but no, whatever. Uh, Spider-Man is about to become Marvel's Sorcerer, Sorcerer Supreme. And apparently, speaking of symbiotes, uh, in December, Marvel Comics launches Symbiote Spider-Man Alien Reality. A miniseries set during Peter Parker's time bonded to the alien symbiote before it became Venom. Uh, however, as a creative team takes things to the past, the web slinger may be may get a previously unseen magical status quo. So, a magical retcon, if you will. Um, so, yes, this is coming out of the February's 2020 solicits and sounds like it's quite possible that um, Spidey becomes Sorcerer Supreme. I mean, he's already been Captain of the Universe, so why not? Sure. Uh, and this is Peter David and uh, some panelist favorite, Greg Land. Oh! 
I knew as soon as it was one of those, uh, what's called those retro, you know, the, the the retro style books. I was like, oh man. So yes, Greg Greg Land being a favorite of uh, half of the um, oh my God. quote unquote favorite of half of the uh, panel <laughs> here, but just in general. Um, <laughs> so yeah and if you're watching the video you can see the cover for uh that's looks like that's issue three of awful, uh that awful awful stuff <laughs> anyway move right along all right next up uh right uh we talked about this earlier dr doom just disrespected the devil on his own turf this yeah he duffed him he, he duffed him badly right dr doom number three right that's correct okay so yeah if you haven't if you're inclined and you, you should you should read it just in, it's 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 a pretty interesting issue up until it gets to the end. But even then, it's funny. Um, an all-new Ultraman, excuse me, all-new Ultraman stories to arrive in 2020 from Marvel. So apparently uh, Marvel and Saburaya, uh Productions, <clears throat> excuse me, are excited to announce a collaboration that will bring new Ultraman stories to comics and graphic novels. Ultraman! Um, unveiled at Tokyo Comic Con, this new collaboration will launch in 2020. Now, the question is, is this coming over to the States or is this just something over in Japan? No, it's coming to the States. My Apparently, uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, which makes sense because that, um, that, um, you know, there are Ultraman fans here and that, that Netflix series is a thing, but this looks like it's more you know, in line with classic Ultraman. Sure, I would be the right. I would be the jerk. Be like, "Whoa, that's Jet Jaguar!" And you know what people <laughs> would say to that? You know what people would say to that? You know what they would say to that? Well, there's that too. <laughs> so yeah, so there's been. If you did not know, there's been many. There's been as many versions of Ultraman as there has been uh, Super Sentai, aka Power Rangers. Right. Um. So yeah, that is the thing. Go look that up. That's funny. One of well, no, well, actually, that had nothing to do with Ultraman. Well, I was going to go back to the um, the the Japanese Spider-Man thing, but that's not that's not that. That's more of a mech thing. Anyway, move right along. All right, uh, Marvel promotes Steve Wacker to head of content new media, so he's been uh, promoted to uh, he, uh, he's the executive producer on the Disney Plus shows Marvel Six One Six and Marvel's Hero Project, and is a producer on all of Marvel's television animated series. He's yeah, the editor of comics mm-hmm yeah, shout out to uh, wacker i don't know i've seen him when seen him a good bit on um on twitter in the last past, past few years he's uh, an amusing cat i've never seen him up until this picture but right and what i was gonna say is he actually had i heard him on podcasts before he actually had a pretty uh uh good role in the creation of ms marvel too so right that's right because he was the editor on uh right. when when yeah uh, Kasana was the Sana Aminat was the assistant, I think Correct. it was. Correct. So, yeah. And that's all another reason why we love him uh, by proxy. Mm-hmm. Marvel's Avengers devs always expected a struggle, quote unquote, to win favor uh, over to its fresh faced heroes, says Games Creative Director. So, yeah, this has been a thing. People that didn't like. Um, so, Crystal Dynamic is a video game developers doing that Marvel's Avengers uh, game that's coming out next year. People, you know, even since E3 doesn't don't like the faces or the costumes or the costumes, but I don't have a problem with it because it's you know knowing where they were going with this whole thing, especially coming from Spider Man, which had a similar thing going on. Boo on the Captain America! 
I don't. Okay, I guess. But you know, it, it, it is, it, they potentially they particularly have not gone a comic accurate right that they intended not to, especially with the comic uh, the Marvel Games Group's mm-hmm. involvement in the the game because they wanted to basically do like side original stories type stuff. So, so which means the face is not going to look comic accurate. People have a problem with that. Okay. Sure. Okay. But regardless, this is the, you know, this is basically, you know I'm saying? They recognize that, I guess. All right. Uh, speaking of video games, this is one of the mobile games, Marvel's Champions. Marvel Champions recently released core set offers more, uh, several heroes for fans to take down the villains of the Marvel Universe. Right. Including, uh, so they're putting out uh, a new Thor hero pack, actually. So they basically have different packs for different heroes. So it's like um, Iron Man, Black Panther, Hulk, Shield. So now they're introducing. Uh, I think Spider Man was also a pack in in the beginning. Um, I can't remember what came with the base stuff. So now uh, they're coming out with this Thor hero pack and whatever stuff that comes with it. I still haven't had my hands on that game, but uh, there are I can link to folks that are taking broad looks at or taking deep dives into that. Thing. Also, saw something. I meant to uh, on a side note that uh, that miniatures game that we talked about a couple of weeks back. That I know you almost had an interest in. I almost sent you some stuff about. Right. But uh, but I didn't. So it's, I all, it's okay. That's an expensive game to get into. Yeah, that is also true. So there is that. Um, there, boys. Um, oh, there was also the there was some of the of the other mobile game, Rome of Champions. That, so there's a site up for that um, that you can go check out. Right. Um, there's there's it basically it doesn't have much on it except for like some of the houses, quote unquote, and some stuff from the Watcher. But you know it's out there if you want to check it out. Um, unboxing and review: Transformers Refractor Reconnaissance Team Three Pack. I kind of want this. So basically, this is Check News's uh, unboxing of. The uh, Refractor three pack, which is the camera. If you're an old school Transformers fan, that's the three three um, three robots that turn into a camera. I've always wanted this one. I never had it. Really? Yes. I have. Actually, I take it back. I feel what like I have purple. Huh? Uh, I believe it was. Okay. If not in the animated, then the original version was. I, I, I and one of the versions it definitely was. And oh, if you're watching the video, this is not. Gotcha. So basically, it's seventy bucks, and I don't know if it's out yet. But they basically, um, it from what this article says, they liked it. So I may end up getting this at some point. <laughs> Knowing me, I didn't get it when I was a kid, and get it. Now. Well, I can hope to get it now. So we'll see. All right. Uh, next up, um, James Tinian the Fourth has shared some new details on his plans for the Batman series once he takes it over in January. And job number one for the Dark Knight is to fix Gotham City. So in an installment, in the first installment of the writer's newsletter, The Empire of the Tiny Onion, because all the writers have newsletters now. Um, yeah, that's true. He shared his first big idea document he wrote after DC officially hired him to write Batman. So... Uh, the gist of it is that uh, Gotham City is not quite foobar, but close. And uh, Batman has to kind of work his way back and he's going to fix things. So he's going to make it so that nobody like Bane can ever do that to Gotham again. I don't know. I, 
I feel like maybe probably was Tim. I should ask him if he's been looking into some of these newsletters. I feel like he said something about it before, and I don't know if I should be. I'm reading a couple. I have, a couple. I have, um, I have Brew Bakers and Pox, Greg Pox. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so that's always been a curious because, yeah, like I said, we've seen these comic creators like they're they've been doing this like they've oh, been, that's been the thing that's been going on for a minute now. I have Jason Aaron, Greg, uh, uh, Greg Pock, and um, and uh, uh, Ed Brubaker. And mm-hmm. I, if I go into my email, some of them don't come out that regularly, but I definitely see um, Greg Pock's come out on a regular basis and um, Brubaker's. Hmm. I think, doesn't Suzuki have one, or he's like threatened to have one, or it's a joke one or something? I, I feel like I've seen that out there. But regardless, hey, that's the thing. That's, yeah, that's it is a thing. thing. Um, speaking of James Tinian, um, Tinian's Batman run starts early in surprise um, number 85 bonus edition. So apparently as a bonus, Batman number 85 will also feature a prelude to Their Darkness, Their Dark Designs, the new epic written by James Tinian IV mm-hmm. that gets underway in Batman 86 and touches on the revelation of Superman's secret identity, which we've already talked about in the past. That's going to be a thing. Um, read DC's description. The two-page sneak peek guest stars the Joker, features art from Guillaume March, and sets the stage for what's coming in 2020. Okay. So. Um, speak, I have more Batman news. DC's informed retailers that Sean Murphy's Batman Curse of the White Knight number five is coming out a week early, originally solicited Yay. for December 18. It's actually coming out next week to December 11th. Yay. I love that series. I like the first volume. Of, I uh, have been kind of enjoying this one in yeah, a way that been I haven't been enjoying Batman yeah. at all. You have been a big booster for the series, for the yeah. White Knight stuff in general. Yeah, specifically the first volume. This one, this one's still pretty good, but it's you know it's yeah, it, yeah. But yeah, I I'm, I'm enjoying it. So I don't know. Go go read those books. Uh, TNT celebrates Bat Week with animated Jim Lee artwork. Uh, that was from, I guess this, this is maybe past due, but this Thanksgiving, we're thankful for Bat Week, but we're especially thankful for this amazing DC Batman custom Jim Lee illustration, according to the TNT's uh, dramas uh, um, Twitter account. So to celebrate the Cape Crusader, TNT will be airing, or probably have aired at this point, um, uh, Batman-centric movies all week long. The fun already started with this past Monday with Batman for Batman v Superman, Batman 89, uh, Batman Begins Returns, and Lego Batman, which I still have not seen, Dark Knight, Wonder Woman, and Batman. Okay, yeah, he had a bit part in that, but that's not necessarily his movie, but uh, all right, sure. Okay. But yeah, so that was this past week, So, which means actually it's still, no, it's gone. Sorry, that was the, the week of uh, Thanksgiving. So it's gone now. You missed it if you hadn't seen it. Sorry. It's all right. All right, uh, Stepan Sedgwick's Harleen number three has been postponed three weeks, according to a notice sent by DC to retailers. So three weeks, not so bad, not doomsday clock. <laughs> Indeed. And he's got a couple of other things in the fire anyway, so because I believe he's still doing art on, and I don't know if this is the reason why, but I know he's doing art on Aquaman, and he's got his own stuff that he's doing. So I don't think there's any reason. I don't think this gives any reason as to why, so. But yeah, Joker, Holly Quinn, uh, Criminal Sanity, number two, pushback two months. Ooh. 
Uh, yeah, so the issue number two has been pushed back to January 1st, uh, 2020 release. This is the second schedule change for the issue since it was originally solicited. Back in September, DC changed it from solicited November 6th date to December 4th. Uh, issue number three has been solicited for February 5th, 2020. And that is an update from a, from a previous story. So Okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Bat Week, um, that was uh, on TNT. Tom King responded to TNT's official Twitter account um, and wanted to hear, uh, no, in response to a tweet that wanted to hear what controversial opinions people have about Batman, King said that uh, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Steve Englehart, Marshall Rogers, and Frank Miller should be um, added to the list of Batman's creators beyond uh, Bob Kane and Bill Finger because those writers helped really define how we see the Batman character today. Mm. That is just a discussion for another time. I'm not sure. I I feel like I agree to a point, but at the same time, like at some point, that's got to end. Right. It's got to stop somewhere. But like I I I don't disagree with his thinking to a point. But I've, and this has come up before, so I don't know. I really don't. I don't know, but maybe some other time we'll revisit that. Um, Year of the Villain, Hell Arisen, first look teases a major DC death. Uh, so yeah, that's a thing. By the way, uh, New Year's Evil, that's a thing that happened this week. Uh, that came out this week. I have not read it, and I, I assume it has something to do with that Year of the Villain stuff. I don't know, but regardless, this is the first look of this Year of the Villain, Hell Arisen thing, whatever it is. Uh, and yes, Batman, whose laughs is involved with it. Sure. Next. So, speaking of Doomsday Clock. So glad you got this one. <laughs> so, in a teaser of what happens in Doomsday Clock number 12, we're finally getting a face-off between Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman, and Dr. Manhattan. So, it's finally happening. We'll see if it comes out. I'm going to owe somebody a dollar or someone's going to owe me somebody a dollar. So we'll Did see. Actually, wait, was that bet actually made? Accept it. If I'll, I'll pay off on it if it comes out in December. Okay. I'll send, I will, I will, I will gladly send PCN underscore dirt a dollar. So it is worth noting. I said this on Twitter. So, so agent, uh, agent 70 knows this already. Uh, as of November 22nd, this past November 22nd, it has been two years since. Two whole years Jeez. since the Doomsday Clock started. My gosh. So that was that's pretty funny in itself. Uh, DC promotes Jessica Chin to editor. So congrats to her. She was an longtime DC Comics employee. I believe she was a, a, also an assistant editor. Yes, for the last three years, she's been an assistant editor in the Superman editorial group under... Brian Cunningham, she's been she was the lead editor on Supergirl and Metal Man and assisted on Superman Action, Lois Lane, a book I love, and Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, which is also a pretty good book. Shout out to Matt Fraction. Uh, and she says in a tweet, uh, or she had said in a tweet, Bats out of the bag. Uh, I've been promoted to editor at DC Comics and excited to edit even more of the best books and characters in the biz. Cool. Can I have a job? Um, next up. Uh, DC's He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse comic has changed up the lore of Eternia drastically, and it's having its own sort of crisis on infinite Earths. Um, so this is a book I talked about a couple of weeks ago, but this this was a part of it that I didn't, I neglected to mention when we talked about it. 
Right. So apparently there is a version of oh, you can talk about it because this is kind of long. Um, so basically the TLDR is basically the they and I think I've kind of sort of mentioned this, but there is a version of, of Eternia where uh Skeletor's uh human more humanish looking form, I guess, not the skeletal form, right. is not does not become Skeletor, but seemingly on his potential way to be He-Man, the way they're certainly going about it. Um, to where, yeah, so basically, because he gets to see in the future, and well, he gets to, he gets visited by the, the movie version, and they were like, hey, in almost every other version, you become Skeletor. Uh, but in this version, you know, he's still his blue self, and he may or may not have a relationship with Beastman, who is known as Red Beast. I guess who was originally known as Red Beast, which I did not know, but uh, that's kind of hinted at. And there's also hinted at um, uh, Evil Land got some cakes. That's, I will say that if you, you know. Okay. And apparently, another thing I did not know was her name was Evelyn Powers. I that, didn't know that. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, and she shows up sans, um, I was about to say sans clothes, but, you know, sans headdress definitely, and, you know. Is the front. It's actually a fairly decent read. I, I need to go back and actually finish it. But uh, no, actually, I did finish. It. I'll take it back. But it was actually not a bad read. I don't know where it's going to go, but we'll see. Next. All right, uh, I'll take over this one since you sure. read the the majority of that or dealt with that. The Crow is back for a killer <clears throat> Christmas special. So IDW is publishing a new one shot, uh, The Crow Hark the Herald. So yeah, that's kind of weird, but okay. I know, right? Who's thinking about the Crow at this point? Uh, there's the um, there's the cover if you're interested. But I mean, this got a cult following, so who am I to say? I think right. they're trying to get a movie off the ground. I don't know. Um, acclaimed comic writer Howard Cruz dies at 75. This was from November 26th. Um, he was 75 years old. He is the creator of Stuck Rubber Baby and Wendell. I I know I remember seeing some comic creators on Twitter talking about him. I am not familiar with his work, unfortunately. Um, his daughter. Made the announcement on Facebook. Says, well, with sadness, I share that my birth father passed this afternoon after a too short battle with cancer with his dear friend Pam and loving husband Eddie by his side, uh, amongst other friends, she wrote. Okay. And uh, you can you can see uh, the pictures from the Facebook stuff. So, my condolences to his family. Next. All right, so we're on our spillover page, right? Yes, we are. Not much. Enough. All right, let's see here. Daniel Kibblesmith takes the terrible adult Calvin strips to the extreme. Okay. I did not know that was a thing. So, um, yeah, apparently Daniel Kibblesmith, who wrote uh, the, the, um, the, the quickly deceased Loki book recently, mm-hmm. um, who is also, I believe, was a writer on Comedy Central or something, or something like that. I can't remember, but um he, he took to twitter and paneled out uh, obviously without um without art he paneled out um a a strip for an adult camera it was kind of dark too so it's, he says here i know the internet loves those melancholy calvin and hops fan comics where he's an adult so i thought i'd take a crack at one and like i said it's kind of dark uh and someone went and um did some art for it to the best of their ability, because obviously, you know, you can only do so much without knowing what, you know, what the writer actually wants. So, but they tried, they tried it, and it's out there. I won't go into it, but it's kind of dark. 
Next. All right. Uh, do you want me to take this one? Oh uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. No, no, I, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. IDAW publishes. IDAW Publishing launches Spanish language graphic novel program. Uh, George Takai's New York Times bestseller, They Called Us Enemy, Sonic the Hedgehog, DM, and creator-owned Red Panda and Moon Bear lead an IDW initiative for Spanish-language books. And uh, this came out during a presentation at uh, the National Council, Council of Teachers of English uh, keynote that happened, I guess, recently. Okay. So, cool. Next. All right, next up, uh, the creative teams have been revealed for the upcoming anniversary issue of Wonder Woman, issue number 750. Series writer Steve Orlando and artist Jesus Marino's lead story will tie into the Year of the Villain current crossover. And there's going to be stories by Greg Rucka and Nicola Scott, Gail Simone and Colleen Duran, Marguerite Bennett and Laura Braga, Scott Snyder and Brian Hitch, Mariko Tamaki and Elena Casagrande. Kami Garcia and Phil Hester, Shannon Hale, Dean Hale, Riley Rosmo, and Vita Ayala, and Amonke Nahuelpan. Uh, there's also George Perez in there with, uh, I think, Colleen Duran. Right. So, a bevy of names, some known, most known, and, you know, right. you know not. So, here's a, uh, if you're watching the video, you can see the, um, the cover, the letterless cover. And that's coming out uh, January 22nd. Yep. So, cool beans. That was something else that I saw um, G. Willow Whistle as a part of that was a Wonder Woman related that may have just come out. And um, well, She just finished her run on it. I know, but I think there was something in like graphic novel form or something that she was a part of. Yeah. Um, that may be coming off of that. I can't remember, but I, I didn't pull it. Anyway, um, the Dark Multiverse improved uh, DC's most tragic death by making it worse. So this is something from spoilers from Tales of the Dark Side Multiverse Infinite Crisis number one, which none of us are reading. And apparently it has something to do with the death of Blue Beetle and Maxwell Lord. So if you know anything about that, then be able to demand the rest of it. Next. Okay, is Marvel accepting applications for a new Sorcerer Supreme? Marvel Comics released a teaser seemingly tied to Doctor Strange. Um... A crest with the Latin phrase electi carent elezione adorned with the seal of the Vishanti. So this is, and it says applications due March 2020. So that's interesting. So I thought this had something to do with that other thing for, for that Spider-Man becoming the social thing, but apparently it does not. Hmm. Because that's something that's a, yeah, that's all throwback whatever uh so yeah we don't know what this is being teased or what series it is but it may or may not have something to do with uh dr strange's surgeon supreme uh book that is starting next month right or actually excuse me starting month, month. i think later this month yeah yes uh meanwhile Dark realm marvel's realm of champions mobile game would ascend steven strange to agent one status that's true that was a that was new there was another reason why i was bringing that up but whatever uh, so yeah, well, I guess we'll get more news of that as time goes by. Uh, Sony may promote PlayStation Five with Holiday Spider-Man sequel. We kind of talked about this pre uh, pre-show, so there's some speculation um, uh, that kind of came off the funny, kind of funny podcast uh, that there may be a sequel to PS4 Spider-Man uh, video game. Great game, if I haven't said that before. 
uh, that may be coming after the launch of the PS5, which we know to be coming next uh, holiday season. Uh, and apparently, one of the the hosts on um, one of the hosts who is a former Game Informer editor, uh, who apparently has some inside knowledge of that, which kind of slightly rubs me the wrong way because. They basically said, like, yeah, they think that, that the Spider-Man's coming at this such and such and such. And then they had the backup say, well, I think I know too much. So they put that out there deliberately, but then backed away from it, which, granted, you know, there's only so much you could say if you know so much. But at the same time, like, you kind of knew that going into this. So you just kind of put that on. That's a nitpick with me. Nothing, whatever. So whether that bears out to be the case, because the the other host on the show was thinking it was coming like later or whatever the case may be, but this person seemed to have a little bit more knowledge, given context they have, um, to the alternative. So we'll see what happens. I mean, that'll be good news for well anybody getting a PS Five. Mm-hmm. Sure, if it happens, and if I don't know if there's rumors of um backwards compatibility uh, is the case, then the one that's on the PS4 will probably be on there anyway by proxy. So we'll see. Anyway, last but not least. Right, so this is mild spoilers for the yes. the, the the Thor, the worthy book that was out this week. Um, I have not read it yet, but I just took a quick scan at this article, and basically there is a panel in which um wonder woman and superman pretty much appear on uh it's it's unambiguous who these characters are who have wielded we all knew before right and these have happened in uh marvel dc crossovers so this is nothing controversial which we a little behind the scenes we had a little chatter in our background about amalgam characters which has nothing to do with this but i'm kind of wondering if some of that might have well the precursor to the the amalgam characters yeah right so I don't know, cause, yeah, because there's been like some slight rumblings to whether they're true or not, whether they're bringing those amalgam characters back or not. But I, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it's this would definitely be something where the EICs would have to have a strong hand in this, much oh, like, yeah. yeah, much like when Joe Casada had a strong hand in uh, shepherding uh, JLA Avengers through. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, if they were ever going to do another amalgam type thing, they would have to have someone that this would be like a CB Sabolsky project. Where, oh, sure. Yeah. You know, or even a Kevin Feige project where they would have to absolutely push this through and work with the distinguished competition to get that done. Right. Yeah. They are both sides of the both sides of the island would have to be on, on board with us and come to another come to definitely some agreement on who's doing what and all the all the logistics behind it. So mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, folks, we are at the end of the show. Finally, uh, we have another ad read before we go, though. Our last ad read of the night is for Busted Tees. This episode of the Comic Book Chronicles is sponsored by Busted Tees, your home for funny, awesome, cool t-shirts that are sure to get your friends' attention. Busted Tees puts many of their popular shirt designs on sale each week. Choose from several eye-catching t-shirts inspired by many things. These these t-shirts are cleverly themed and inspired by movies, video games, TV shows, comic books, geek culture, pop culture, and more. They are are all on sale. 
To help keep our podcast free, order from Busted Tees by going to cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link. Click on the Busted Tees banner and then shop for awesome t-shirts. Busted Tees through cspn.us. Do it today. Did a rewatch. There's a there's a Tron recognizer shirt on or design on here, and I just did a rewatch of um Tron and part of Tron Legacy, and probably will do Uprising, which still doesn't make any sense to me. But I think I'm I get where they're going with that. But once I get through Legacy again, we'll see. Okay, I actually do that because I never watched uh, Tron Uprising, which is basically the animated version that may have come after Legacy or came before I, Legacy. I, I was very young, I think, when I watched Tron all the way through, and I don't think I've endeavor to watch it again i love that movie that is one of my favorites i don't care yes i i have yeah i think uh peace and are also a fan of oh, that he's a huge fan of this um so we that, that is one thing we both shared uh in, in common but no i like legacy that's it's a little harder to get through but not as hard um but oh, trying the original trying to love it it's weird because I did the, the rewatch and I was like, "Why? Why does it seem like like?" Granted, they cleaned it up, you know. It, it is it is the 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 latest the newest version that they had, it, but it felt like they added some um some things, or maybe it's it just because I hadn't seen it in a while. That's more likely because it was like, "Wait, why does it look like they special editioned this?" Because and also like the prior to that, um, watched the special edition. I mean, watched the uh, New Hope as we have talked about before. But, gotcha. But no, they they did. It's the same thing. It just looks good, and you know, they, they didn't seem cool. like they changed anything. But yeah, try. Okay, so before no. say before we wrap, uh, since we did our last ad, I just it's not exactly what's in the box, but um, I just wanted to mention that I did um, that that my patience has, has, has you know actually did pay off. Um, for any of uh, our followers who follow me at agent underscore 70 on Instagram um, or even Twitter will, will would have seen in their feeds this week, my patience paid off despite having scoured several. I don't want to go into double digits because they don't they don't exist in the local New York City area. Nothing within the there's no Walmart within the five boroughs, but I definitely scoured. The, the the Walmarts I felt like driving to like in with within a reasonable driving distance, and what's that? You should have said something. I would have got you. I well, you saw it. You saw it at your local Walmart. Probably. I didn't. I didn't honestly hadn't been in that station in a minute. But I, I got you. I got you. Well, I mean, given how fast they hit, they they vacated the shelves. You know, mm-hmm. spending on the local toy collector uh, community, they might have been gone already. But uh, next time I'll ask. Yeah. But um. But yeah, it being Walmart, not Walgreens, but Walmart, um, this was a lot harder to get. And I'm talking about the worthy Captain America from uh, from Avengers Endgame. This was released just before the movie came out and, and, and wide release just after. You can see, I'm, I'm trying to shade the, the, the camera a little bit, but you can see that there is a Mjolnir right behind the shield. If you look right, I'm trying to tilt it to the camera. There we go. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to see the Mjolnir tucked in right behind Captain America's shield in the packaging. I didn't want to take it out of the packaging yet. Just wanted to show it off that it finally came. I got on Amazon, just a small markup, you know, reasonable for me. So it worked out. Indeed. So oh, you know, just like the shit I teach, patience. Exactly. I thought I said the only thing I actually got from um 
Black Friday outside of the fire stick I told you about was um the the Blu-ray of uh Avatar: The Last Airbender. Okay, twenty bucks for for which is that's a damn good price for that for for like nine discs. Oh wow! Oh, this is a series. Okay, yeah, all series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, not the awful movie. I gotcha. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's a series. Um, gotcha, gotcha. twenty bucks. Which there's a funny story behind that, but I won't get into it right now. So yeah, that was that was the only other like well outside of video games was the only other Black Friday or surrounding thing that I ended up getting. But right. uh, folks, we are into the end of this here show. Um, we would like to each thank each and every one of you for coming out. Uh, for myself, Rodicat, you can find me at Rodicat on the Twitters at that. And you can also find me at News Nurse Need on um, Twitter. You can also find me at CB Caps on Instagram. <laughs> Agent underscore seventy Twitter and Instagram. You may have already seen that Captain America is and the restraint that he is. You should applaud him for the restraint that he has showed for not opening it up before now because that was days ago. Yep. Um, (laughs) uh, Yes, you can follow us at oh uh, Radicat for my Instagram, but I don't unless you want to see pictures of booze or some other drop mix. I end up posting on there just wow wow wow. PCN underscore dirt on Twitter, uh, pop culture net on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com, and all those umbrella sites they're in. The Osiris of this ish, Tim D O G G 98 on Twitter, uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Compo Chronicles account, um, theclicknation.com, and theclicknation on Twitter. That's the, uh, that's the, T H E K L I Q N A T I O G N because I keep forgetting the um which I feel like I don't have to spell that, folks. Mm-hmm. And also comic resources where he's over there writing his face off. Go check out his work. He, he does some good stuff over there. Get him in some looks and some, you know, clicks. Exactly. Um, and you can also find his, which I did not say this earlier, but you can find us on the Cult of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. Indeed. Uh, you can also find us on Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Cult of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. We will be back next. Wait a minute. Yes, we will. We will be back next week because we before all couldn't come in until the week after that. Correct. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next Thursday night, uh, nine thirty ish, nine between nine and nine thirty PM, you know, something like that. Right. I feel like that's a running joke that we just pretty much <coughs> ran, just ran all the way out. Um, right. I, would, I would just mention that uh, uh, for everyone to maintain. Um, maintain uh uh observation of our social media because um we're not going to exactly run into the holidays correct we're going to be close so it all it will all depend on what our schedules are yeah twitch we'll we we may may have some more news um next week about that whether if we have anything concrete but yeah like you said keep watch on our various social medias and we'll definitely let you know one way or the other or probably not at all, and you'll know. Yeah. Uh, so for that, this has been Comic Book Chronicles. Peace and blessings. Peace, one. And I love it when a plan comes together. Good evening, friend. Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Doom? What's on your